This episode of Core Lords is brought to you by our pals at Better Beer. Now, Better Beer is the brainchild of Aussie comedians Matt Ford and Jack Steele, also known as the Inspired Unemployed, and Nick Cogger, a health-conscious drink enthusiast, publican, and the founder of the Torquay Beverage Co. They wanted to create a beer that they thought was missing from the market, and that they did. Over the past few years, like many health-conscious Aussies, they are on the hunt for a new beer that was better all round and still held up in quality and taste. They don't take themselves too seriously, but when it comes to brewing beer, they take it bloody seriously. So they got together, they created Better Beer Co, and uh, they brewed their first beer in New South Wales. Uh, now they've got a range, uh, the Zero Elk, the Ginger Beer, and they've just released a new one, the Arvo Ale. Arvo Ale has zero sugar and only 96 calories per can. You can check the nutritional info at betterbeer.com.au or even better, order a slab from the same website. Better beer, mate. It's that good. Get in behind it. Rip into some beer that makes you feel good about yourself. Responsibly. Ain't That Swell presents... Today's guest is Simon Zuvich Yinjabandi, a proud Indigenous man from Western Australia who grew up down south in Margaret River, uh, but whose traditional lands are are further north. Uh, He's worked in a few different roles with the WSL and Red Bull. Uh, You come up with, you know, the likes of Dino Adrian, Jay Davies, Yada Nickel, um, a great surfer and a really trusted knowledge holder uh, for his people. So we thought, you know, uh, what better time to get him on than during this uh, reconciliation week and just talk in a really honest, heartfelt, compassionate and loving way about just the plight that confronts Indigenous people and non-Indigenous people. We all share this country together. So it's in everyone's best interests for us all to be living our best lives and uh, getting along. And, yeah, I mean, this convo really goes deep and into some pretty treacherous terrain, um, I guess, if you're kind of uh, someone who gets their nose easily out of joint or is particularly uh, offended, but that's all part of it. I mean, we can't really control that, and uh, I definitely didn't try to in this one. So, um, yeah, feel free to drop us a line with any feedback. Uh, we'll definitely be getting Simon on the program again because it felt like we barely even scratched the surface of his life. Uh, too busy talking about social issues, social ills, and potential solutions. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, what an absolute beacon of goodwill and good energy this guy is uh mate couldn't have a a better guy occupying the various roles that he is and a better ambassador for white and black relations in this country so i'm definitely filled with plenty of hope and optimism and energy moving forward and uh yeah i just really hope we can all reach the same place together yes maybe fuck yeah how good's your backdrop I oh, know. Come on, mate. Step up. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. I'm ripped off. What the hell? How do you even do that? That's my that's my nyuda. That's our country up in um up in the Pilbara. 
kill bra, bro. There is nowhere on the planet that looks like it either, man. The uh, yeah. geography of that zone, your zone, your traditional lands. Yeah. Second to none, mate. I've always said it. The From, I guess, Calbarry and, and then further up around the Kimberley and that, like you get a taste of it around the, is it the, what is it the George's River, Calbarry, west of Calbarry? Uh, um, yeah, or the Murchison. Murchison, um, sorry. Yeah. yeah, and then Gascoigne and Carnarvon and then, um, the yeah, our river is... Um, uh, the Fortescue River, um, so that runs through Injibundi country. Yeah, yeah. Where where are you, mate? Are you um, you're on the east coast. Oh yeah, I'm on the east coast in Wardell here. It's Wardell, uh, yeah, pretty cold actually at the moment. But yeah. uh, <laughs> man, I wish I was uh, up there in the the tropical northwest. <laughs> you've been up there. You've been up there before, and um, like inland to Karajini and Millstream, like inland from Robin. Yeah, uh, a couple. Oh, let me think, man. I um. Me and my mum, we we did a wild mission uh way back in the day. Uh we uh she was actually uh dating a black fella from Perth. Oh um, yeah, yeah. And she met him in Redfern and we moved over there with him to his commission yeah. flat and it, it ended very badly. Uh I ended up yeah. logging her actually and we ended up oh, on this big mission up the coast and then yeah. uh we ended up, yeah, in the Kimberley and that, like kayaking around, uh, I think yeah, uh, in the Murchison and the Kimberley and, and we went to Broome and Shark Bay and, uh, uh, yeah, so that was early on. And then I went back there, um, just up to Red Bluff and that and, uh, yeah, yeah. and Calbarry in that zone. Oh, but I think that was freak. I don't know, 2017, 2018. So not yeah, super sick. familiar with the joint, but yeah, childhood memories, um, of that zone. And, oh man. It was magic. So good. Yeah, I bought a house in Carnarvon. Um, it's, uh, yeah, just fell in love with Nalu and the Bluff um, growing up. So, yeah, pretty pretty deadly zone, that whole northwest. Yamaji, Yamaji country, yeah, it's bloody awesome. Um, yeah. Oh, and you grew up in Redfern. Sick. Um, oh, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. We were pretty itinerant. So, yeah, like we kind of yeah. uh, moved around a lot. Yeah. Know, yeah. And we lived in Camperdown, which was – Yep, adjacent, yep. adjacent to Redfern. And yep, yep. um yeah, we spent a lot of time down there in the nineties for whatever reason. Can't remember. It was just my mum's mates. And uh, yeah, definitely grew up with a lot of indigenous friends. Uh mm-hmm. you know, back when the inner city was full of indigenous people before gentrification moved them all <laughs> onto Mount Truitt and all, and uh yeah. you know, dispersed crew all over the city, really. Like kind of Yeah, yeah. Um that's been some I've been appreciated, like I said to you when I met you, like um listening to you talk to um brother Robbie and, and Oat and, and some of the mob about just there's different perspectives. Um yeah, and the history and the truth telling that needs to take place is pretty, pretty cool. And yeah, I really appreciated the stuff you guys did in in Black Lives Matter, which is sort of why I reached out to you because I thought, um, yeah, like it's the side side of the coin that needs telling. And um, yeah, like talking. My uncle Wayne Webb says, "Gunawongi, talk, shit talking." <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> it, some... <laughs> man. Uh, well, I'm so so psyched to have you on here because, yeah, uh, yeah one of the things I want to get into with you is, is to have a, a really you know brutally honest convo about how we can get the best outcomes for mm-hmm. Black and White Australia and, mm-hmm. and kind of foster the the unity and and solidarity that's gonna you know serve us the best um, because yeah. as as we know, like. Um, you know, the powers that be, the aristocrats, the uh, elites, the, <laughs> yeah. the system, it's yeah. always been set up to um, set white and black, poor white and black against each other, you know, it's always, yeah. uh, and just all of the different various categories of society, it's always been about dividing and conquering and Right, one hundred and one, oldest yeah. trick in the book. Oldest trick in the book, <laughs> man, and uh, I yeah. think it's through really honest conversations that we can 
yeah, um, sick. kind of create some cohesion there. Um, yeah, I'm happy to do that. I did a little bit, like I think I sent you the Red Bull stuff. We you know, we did a bit of truth telling um, with Mikey at, at Wadjam up at Rottnest, and then you know I'd, I'd like Uncle Lenny Collar went pretty hard on the WSL, like on the um, uh, on the on the broadcast when when they went over there. And I, I guess I'm I'm more sort of because because I'm in education, I'm more sort of um, you know like sort of solution focus and sort of always projecting into, yeah, what we can be doing together. Like, but it does require that, you know, that sort of brutal, um, yeah, the courageous conversations and like, I'm happy to go wherever you want to, you know, go because I did the podcast with Barrel podcast. They haven't released it yet. It was last end of last year. Um, and I said to those boys, like, you can treat it like an episode of like, you can't ask that because I think they asked some stuff like, um, Oh, like, aren't we all indigenous? And, and to me, like those kind of, like if that's what people are thinking, let's let's talk about it. So I'm happy mm. to go go anywhere that you feel comfortable. But I did say to them, like on the flip side, like it's a global audience, and you know, like just have to be mindful of, um, yeah, for me, um, yeah, my like me following my cultural protocols and make sure that I'm in my lane um, and being respectful of my elders and stuff. So I don't think they've they've launched that yet because we are probably got to listen through it and just maybe pull out. They were asking me quite a lot of like Wadandi um history and culture i grew up down in margs and was born and bred down there but um uh yeah my mobber from from the pilbara so um i probably just need to have a, i said to him i probably need to have a listen through and just just make sure that i'm covered you know i'm not saying anything that's um you know gonna get me out of stead but um yeah what, whatever mate wherever you want to yeah um wherever you want to go i'm happy to just yarn away oh epic man i appreciate that and i think it should just be stated at uh... The, the front of this episode that you know th- this is all coming from a place of love like the, yeah the, for sure the, the vision and the goal is to get to a, a, a time and place in australia where you know, black and white mm. are together partying yeah. breaking bread hanging <laughs> out surfing um doing everything together and and yeah. where we've almost kind of moved beyond race even um mm-hmm. which yeah, it's, is a, it's a social construct exactly it's an interesting concept yeah. isn't it this is actually yeah. one of the things i really wanted to, to get your take on because yeah when you look back on i guess the the golden age of civil rights um mm-hmm. you know you martin luther kings in mm-hmm. america um mm-hmm. you know, angela davis uh, i guess you had the black panther movement and then out here you had your, your charlie perkins uh, oh yeah your eddie marbos yeah uh I, I guess uh gary foley i mean uh, lionel rose I'd, I'd put in i think lionel rose is probably one of my if not my favorite australian of all time yeah, uh, yeah, world champion boxer at 19 years old, and um, probably the most unifying yeah. guy I can think of in Australian history, right, right up there. Oh, of... Ash, look at Ash Barty, mate! Like Ash Barty and and Yvonne Gulligan, like they're, they're the the female versions of that, like bringing people Fully. with them and and just leading from the front. Um, yeah, no, let's let's do it. And I awesome. guess like what a lot of these people had in common. I mean, it goes back to the the Martin Luther King quote, right? It's like mm-hmm. uh, ju- judge me not on the color of my skin, but on the the content of my character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And is that the goal? Like, is that where we're heading, and or where we should be heading? And what is the best means to get there? Because mm. I feel like at the moment with identity politics and and mm. where that's all at, it feels like we're almost not heading in that direction where we're almost heading in a, in a direction where race and the mm. color of your skin is mm. actually 
what is important. You know, you're either white and privileged or black and underprivileged Mm -hmm. or, you know, like uh, it seems like the content of your character has become less relevant Mm. compared to the color of your skin uh, i mean what, what are your what's your take on all that yeah no i think um i think to be like when everyone says like being being one together and, and all being you know connected to country um it is about like valuing diversity and and understanding difference to be one and i think that's like you talk about reconciliation right you've got like a lot of the mob don't call it that because they say to reconcile, you had to be together and then, you know, break up and then have to get back together. Whereas they talk about conciliation or uh, Macarada, you know, the coming together after a struggle. And I think like until um, we we're truthful in that truth telling, truth listening, and is sort of um, like that division is going to continue. Um, but, you know, I think, uh, you should be able to be like you look at yeah again Lionel Rose or or Ash Barty like they should be able to be a proud um, Aboriginal Australian a proud Australian a proud you know like Perth you know, West Aussie or whatever that looks like it's it's not binary I think it's um it's understanding that our diversity makes us stronger and being respectful of difference but also the the threads and the the song lines and the bonds that bring us together as well so. Yes, because sometimes that whole like, oh, we're all one mob and one nation, there's no race also gets used for race division by, by like you said, by different agendas from all sides um, mm. of society for all different all different agendas. So, um, yeah, no, it's, you know, surfing is a, a beautiful vehicle to bring people together, but also it doesn't have to be, I love the way that you and, you know, you and Vaughan talk about um, it's different things to different people and it's not that it has to be this sort of PC thing that you got to ram down people's throats, but like you're literally living and breathing um, culture, you know, Indigenous cultural knowledges, you know, unconsciously and consciously, whether you like it or not. And I think um, it's like another frequency in I reckon as surfers, we've got a really cool role to play in sort of modelling that connection. And yeah, so I don't know, that probably didn't make much sense, mm. but yeah, no. there's a lot There's a lot there. Um, it's, it's complicated. I, I always just come back to that content or judging people on the content of their character because yeah. um because yeah. like that to me is is the best you can ever hope to do like mm. when i think of like uh a lot of the the cool mates i've had over the years especially playing rugby league and mm. um you know some of them they don't really enjoy being known as indigenous or aboriginal like 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 mm, the, mm. as in like they don't like having it projected on them like they yeah just, it's a la- they, has to be a label has to be it's who a people label. want like, them to it's be just yeah. like, i'm one of the boys i i you know th- mm, th- mm. I, i'm happy with that like i'm happy to be just seen as mm, mm. one of the lads and uh and, and then uh you know other people are, are very like uh passionate and, uh, about their culture mm. and want to identify and, and 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 i guess uh you know be proud of it um mm. in in all moments of their life but it, it comes down to the individual and, and people need mm. to be treated as individuals and um yeah. uh, on some level you know you, you you interact with the individual you gauge where they're yeah. at in life and and yeah. treat them accordingly on the content of their character yeah yeah and, and and like i mean we have these national indigenous surf comps the titles at bells um you know the jurakai mob up at bunjalan country in, in fingal um Coffs Hub and the Nauru mob. We've got Otis, brother Otis's uh, <laughs> shirt on, and um, sick print, yeah. Um, down at uh, uh, Newcastle and over, and we used to have like the comps over here and that. Like those comps, the majority of Aboriginal surfers that come to those comps are like stolen generation mob. Like my my grandmother was taken away at six years old, um, you know, because of her race, like purely because 
um, you know, she had that racial identity. So there was racial division and obviously like, you know, the 1905 um, Aborigines Act in West Australia, Matt, you know, um, there was one guy controlling like every Aboriginal person under the age of, you know, 18 in the state. So like it, that sort of like race division takes a lot of healing, right? So then you have that sort of positive affirmation where now like as Aboriginal surfers, right, we have this connection, this identity. So we want to be proud um, you know, but it's up to ind individuals how they want to like, like you said, like some people just want to slot in and just be, you know, Sol Solly Bailey, I think the same thing. And people are like, oh, you know, um, do we need to like celebrate that, you know, um, an Aboriginal, young Aboriginal fella um, won the pipe, you know, pipe pro. Um, yeah, for sure. Like, does he need to be a strong Aboriginal person or can he just be Australian? Um, you know, he can be all of those things. And if he wants to go out, and share culture and put the like that whole debacle with the flag on the on the jersey was a real eye opener about like who owns the flag and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, but Solly's a really proud Aboriginal kid and and or a young young man and um, yeah, I think it's up to individuals how they want to celebrate and like Australian history is Aboriginal history and vice versa, right? So um, yeah, like it's it's up to people's stories and how they're healing from the trauma of the stolen generations, like how they identify. And it's it's really up to different people, but I think at those surf comps in particular, people get there because they want a sense of identity connection, and they're still healing. I certainly am, and and a lot of the mob that that go there, um, yeah, I think we'll get to a place where once that truth telling's done, and and um, and people can connect, it, it will be you know more unified. But at the moment, you're right; it's sort of got to get worse before it gets better if you get my drift you know like that's why it all escalated with black lives matter and stuff because you know the the antagonist to that was like all lives matter and it's like yeah yeah all lives do matter but um like we're shining a spotlight on black lives at the moment um mm. yeah, like nick nat Nui said you don't walk into a skin cancer fundraiser and and like all oh, cancers matter you know like um yeah <laughs> we're aware that um <laughs> raising issues are really yeah. important um yeah. Yeah, we're shining as today. We're shining a spotlight on um, you know, police brutality, and uh, you know, in Australia, that struck a chord because we've had over five hundred deaths in custody with no uh, no um, police, you know, ever vilified on that. So um, that struck a chord. Yes, it was American, but we picked it up and ran with it. Our communities to shine a spotlight on on the inequities and the injustices. So um, yeah, it's it's like a band aid, right? It's got to get worse before it gets better. It's it's gonna sort of got to rip off the, the have the truth telling and the truth listening and that reciprocity relationship and then we can heal together as yep. white and black as white and black i think if that's a yeah sorry I, I got a, i got a way of going that's that's black fella style right going around storytelling Mate, don't apologize that's just that's just conversations <laughs> if you're trying to remember where it all left off from it's a lost cause but yeah it's just something i've observed in my own anecdotal experience is just like how uncomfortable it, it can make people just to be treated differently. You yeah. know, like a lot of the time people just, they just want to fit in. Uh, and, you know, well-meaning middle-class mm. white people, <laughs> often university educated, you know, yeah, yeah. They're, they're projecting stuff on, onto people. Mm. Um, that's like their own guilt or, or whatever, but it's just awkward. Yeah. You know, a lot of people just, just, just want to be, just want to fit in man it, it's like don't you yeah know? yeah oh yeah like it's yeah that guilt and shame um you know they're not useful emotions you want to channel your energy into like like gran you know she got taken away and she's like it's about empathy not sympathy we don't want people feeling like you can feel those guilt and shame and come to your place if you need to but then channel that into something that's going to bring people with you not yeah 
project that onto others. Um, and yeah, like it, most of the mob, like when you sit down with elders and stuff there, it is pretty traumatizing to hear those, that truth telling. So it is traumatizing to listen to it. It's, um, you know, but in that discomfort, when you do the truth telling and the truth listening, um, you know, if you have positive, um, you know, self-regard for each other and, and you heal together. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it is a challenge and, and yeah, people go off on all kinds of tangents and they, and they have their little, you know, the little <laughs> um, social justice sort of things, which you got to be careful with not to, um, yeah, not to other people all the time. Um, it's about bringing people together as Australians, like we're like, we're all connected to the world's oldest continuing cultures, you know, and that should be something that we're all immensely proud of. Um, but when you've got, you know, your parents, my parents, parents, parents that like got sold the hunter gatherer, nomadic, you know, terra nullius, right? No man's land. When they got sold all that, that um, not only like bad perspectives, but just plain like wrong. Um, when they got sold all that as fact, then they've got to come to grips with like releasing that and um, being vulnerable and going like, oh crap, like um, I didn't know this stuff. Like I was telling you guys at Ain't Swell, you know, a million people go to Wajimup every year from from Boorooloo on Wajuk country out to Rotnest and um, you know, 95% of people would not know um, that that's Australia's biggest death in custody site um, and the trauma that went <clears throat> down there and, and, you know, people were camping on graves over at Wadjamup um, up until the 80s and still sleeping in the old cells up until 2018, right? So, okay, so that's the reality of what we're faced with here. So um, there's still a lot of uh, truth-telling that needs to go on. So, yeah, it is going to get worse before it gets better because we've got to get to that space of be able to sit and... Um, yeah, the WSL, to their credit, they really um, took the bull by the horns and and sat in that discomfort, um, which, yeah, was, was uh, I think things have got changed for the better in the last few years in that space of respecting Indigenous cultures and histories and, and languages across, um, yeah, the world now, which is, yeah, they had to go to that place to um, sit in that and then go, oh, this is like having a surf comp at Gallipoli, right? This is like the mm. same sort of like, this is full on energy out there to be respected, not to make sh everyone feel guilty and have a bad time, but just like stop, um, listen to country, pay your respects, um, you know, and then um, have a great time. So mm. um, yeah, a bit of a value add to that experience, but but um, yeah, that was a bit of an eye opener for everyone, I think, out, going out to watch them up. Man, that's such a great analogy. The one with Gallipoli, uh, you know, we just had Anzac Day recently and obviously uh, an incredibly traumatic event too that mm. touched a lot of Australians and, uh, you know, mm. was happening around about the same time uh, as a lot of the, the dispossession of mm. uh, Aboriginal people from their traditional lands and also uh, from their own families, the stolen generation. Mm. So, like, there was, there was parallel trauma in both white and black communities of a kind that was so unimaginably horrific. Mm. Yeah. Um, and perpetrated by the same people ultimately which is like british aristocrats uh you know sending poor white yeah. people to die in war and mm. um mm. claiming that uh this country was uninhabited and, and using that that terra nullius uh law to take the land uh, mm. away and do whatever they wanted and and slaughter uh, yeah. with absolute impunity and not just slaughter but mm -hmm. in the most despicable of ways you know we're talking about uh you know 
the ultimate wolf in sheep's clothing a lot of the time where, you know, giving uh, blankets to uh, indigenous crew that were laced yeah. with uh, measles or other smallpox, you know, uh, poisoning water holes, uh, yeah. you know, coming upon uh, encampments mm. uh, and, and murdering uh, women and children while there was no men around, like just the, the most cruel and cowardly acts. Yeah. I, yeah. And I think people like, um, again, what are you going to do about it? If, if anyone's listening to this and going like, all right, well, yeah. Like the, so like, where do I start? I think um, listening to the frontier wars, um, there's a new you know documentary. There's, there's so much out there looking at like the massacre maps, you know, taking your kids to museums, um, and understanding like, you know, like a lot of the mob have got pushed off, um, you know, the prime real estate is probably why there's not that many Aboriginal surfers in, in a lot of pockets of um, Australia. Look at how many Aboriginal people are, you know, play AFL and uh, awesome at sports. But, um, you know, like because a lot of the mob, yeah, like after the massacres, there was assimilation, right? So and then and then there was um, uh, removal of, of, you know, the prime real estate along the coast, along the rivers and all that sort of stuff. So, um yeah, like the the massacres that happened, um, and like Wajimup is a little microcosm. Um, so I got permission from my elders, the Injibundi, uh, you know, Nyalama, Banjima um, mob uh, up in the Pilbara, like um, yeah, the home homeland back there. Um, they all came through Robin and down through the Kimberley and got um, pushed down through to Wajimup as as a prison island, um, and that was on the frontier wars, um, and yeah, just atrocities that are you know horrendous. Um, and they weren't, this wasn't, you know, um, very long ago. Like my elders tell us those lived histories. I mean, I was teaching in the Kimberley of um, kids whose grandparents and parents walked out of the desert, like the last, you know, the last tribes to walk out of the central desert. Um, and, you know, Uncle Wayne um, Webb down at the Wadundi country where the WSL's just been at, at Margaret River at Woodichup. Um, you know, he there's another uh, podcast you might like to listen to called um, The Ghosts Are Not Silent um, about the Bustle family and the massacres um, that happened down in, in Wadundi, Budja, right? And, um, like, when you go to these places, you learn about the history and, and what's been going on. Not, again, not to make you feel guilty, but just go, oh, okay, this is Uncle Wayne's you know, grandparents' parents coming out of the bush. Like this is mid mid eighteen hundreds, like really recent history in the Kimberley and the Pilbara's even even um earlier, like real lived history that we can still connect to. Um and yeah, looking down into, you know, Wadundi Budja down in, in the Bustleton area of Margaret River, um, there's not many Aboriginal people in, in Margs and Augusta. Um, there was massacres, there was, you know, um a heap of truth telling that needs to be uncovered. But yeah, if you want to listen to that podcast, the ghosts are not silence, really powerful. And then you had the wave of assimilation. So genocide, then assimilation um, and the stolen generations and all the rest of it. Uh, so yeah, the average surfer, like what do you want to do about it is just um, taking the time to just look in your local spot, like where you grew up and where you lived. And, and if you didn't know anything, there's a lot of information now Um online in the museums um yeah so that that's always a good starting point but yeah thank you for acknowledging um that yeah really traumatizing part of history it's pretty brutal yeah the frontier wars like the frontier wars i mean uh that that's one of the, the real nasty myths about yeah. australia is that uh indigenous people didn't put up a fight that they were this mm. rabble of savages uh that were had, had no coherent 
uh, you know, lifestyles or belief systems or ways of fighting back and that they were just a pushover when uh, this has been peddled by, you know, the uh, the aristocrats, the, uh, you know, the, the victors always write, write the history, right? Exactly, and, yep. Um, obviously, it's not true. Uh, there was many great Indigenous resistance fighters like Pemulwuy and Jandamara and, and many more, and that war or mm. wars or that conflict went on for like a hundred years. Like it was a yep. hundred year war and yeah, it was unconventional. It was like your classic kind of guerrilla mm. uh, war effort, but it's always irked me that, you know, the, the, the Maori have that in their folklore that they put up mm. this proud fight and they're this proud fighting warrior mm. people. And, and it's true. Good on them. And, and they carry themselves like that. It, it, it's because it's in their culture and their history yeah. Um, because you know they signed the what is it the Waitangi yeah. uh, treaty, uh, and and they fought against uh, the 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 British or the and the Scottish and whoever else was there. But the situations mm. are completely different for one because mm. uh, New Zealand wasn't a a penal colony. Mm. Um, for two, like the the Maori had guns, like mm. Uh, mm. through early trading and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. As far as I'm aware, mm. uh, and also. Uh, indigenous people put up a hell of a fight here, and uh, that mm. if that was more a part of the the understanding of indigenous history, I, I get the mm. feeling there'd be there'd be more respect for indigenous people potentially, like definitely, and also self respect within the indigenous community themselves, knowing mm. that we we fought long and hard, tooth and nail. We we fought like warriors, but. Yeah, that, this this is not the narrative that that's generally understood by the Australian public, both uh, black and white. I I, I imagine it. I yeah. Oh no, for sure. Um, like Uncle Len said when they went out to watch him up. Um, you know, on the broadcast, like these are our country's first patriots. Um, they were warriors. You know, sovereignty was never ceded. You know, Yagan and um Mijuguru and this mob on the on the Derbal Yergin in in Buralu in Perth on the Swan River um incredible yeah patriots and yeah Jandamara like every kid should know these stories and um yeah like with with Anzac Day you know lest we forget and and pay the deepest respect to our our fallen heroes um but yeah also looking at our own heroes within the frontier wars and also aboriginal servicemen and women you know that came back and weren't still weren't citizens of the country you know like um my grandfather again if someone wants to watch um an incredible documentary in the pilbara um johnny walker um in exile in the kingdom you know he he spoke about you had to trade off your cultural identity to get citizenship they're called dog tags right and you had to have a a dog tag um in order and say that you renounced your your cultural identity and to be a citizen you had to say that you you know you wouldn't speak language and in fact people were getting flogged for speaking language and you know their mouth washed out with soap and um you know like so it's just like it's not to ever pay any disrespect to the to the Anzacs or to any of um you know the incredible people that we owe our freedoms and, and our lives to, but it's just to go like yes, the frontier wars happened. Yes, there was truth telling needs to be um listened and understood about yeah massacres like brutal brutal uh, battles and also uh, the heroes and also some like fantastic stories of times um i think in albany over here before perth was settled down in albany um the manang manang nungam there was a lot of um working together and collaborating with the first settlers um you know and and there was celebrations and success to be shared and um you know like when you say it's australia day 
invasion day, survival day. It's all of those things. Again, it doesn't have to be binary. Like we don't have to, um, you know, we we can celebrate and respect our Aboriginal brothers and sisters as well as our, you know, fallen heroes. And yeah, I'm really hopeful that we can get to that place. And like Australia Day is just so hurtful every year it comes up and it's just like, yeah, this little microcosm of what happens in our lives every every day right but it all like this huge big public debate happens and it centers on like yeah anzac day or or australia day and it's just like all bubbles to the surface that division and it's so hurtful because it's just um you know uncle len did the ode he he wrote the ode in noongar um and they had um aboriginal flags and welcomes to country at the rsl and that got a huge big pushback in wa it was really sad and people like oh it's divisive you know the aboriginal flags divisive welcome to country is a divisive speaking Noongar language is divisive, yet there's Māori language in in the national anthem in New Zealand. Um, you know, like those things are actually about connection. Like a welcome to country is about you connecting to country. Um, and yeah, you know, I don't know, there's this whole big wave of politics, you know, why why do I have to be welcome to my own country? And it's like, or what? or you could connect to the country and culture that you're connected to, you know, like it's this, yeah, this is what they do. This is what they do. This is what the scum do. You know, those people don't represent Anzacs who, who, who speak like that. You know, I come from two generations of them and like Mm. the idea that, uh, you can't incorporate a welcome to country in an Anzac ceremony. Like I was at the dawn ceremony in Balna and they did have a welcome to country and they had full on acknowledgement of, uh, the indigenous population. And there's a big indigenous population here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is just what they're constantly playing at is, uh, you know, fear. <laughs> just fear and division mm. and, um, yeah, it, they're going to be so stubborn about it. But I guess that the thing is that everyone needs to realize white and black, mm. um, is that the system doesn't represent white people. It's a white system. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't represent me. It, you know, there's not one yeah. person I can think of mm. who, likes this system that we live under, uh, mm. that likes the way police operate, that likes the way politicians operate. And I think like um, often the anger or, or the hurt that's caused by the system is associated with white people generally. Mm. And, and that's inaccurate. Like mm-hmm. I'd fucking burn it all the, to the ground tomorrow if I could. Like, <laughs> yeah. fucking G up. Like, and uh yeah. Uh, so again, like, I think that the narrative has to be that, um, you know, white and black people are, are, are unified in, in, mm. in, in just like wanting to come together and be respectful of one another and, and share culture in, in a, in yeah. an honest and, and, um, you know, at times playful way and, and just a, mm. a way that's like, uh, is real and human, you know, yeah. humans, not politically correct. Humans, not perfect. You know, <laughs> yeah. humans not going to say all the right words at the right times. Yeah. It's, it's a fucking shit show where, 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 you know, you just do your best. Yeah. Uh, and, and what matters is the intent mm. uh, behind what's being said. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping we can reach that point and, and fully ignore what the RSL fuck with mate. The RSL, are you kidding me? They're full of poker machines. Like how have they got anyone's best wishes in uh, like it's I just, I just find it so fear. I just find it so yeah, so disheartening when um you know like again like yeah I, I'm a bit loath to even talk about the voice and the referendum because people are like oh 
you know, politics. And, and that was really sad. I think like, you know, um, people, their, their go-to is like, well, sport and politics don't mix. And like, anytime I see, you know, Tyler Wright or someone talking about something, like I always think of like uh, Muhammad Ali would disagree. Man. Like politics is pe- people are politics, right? So right now, For sure. if it, right now, like in Australia, there's just so much hate and anger and race division going on around the referendum on The Voice and, and they like for the global audience, it's around acknowledging Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in the constitution. So it's like they're not even mentioned and it's just creating a voice and like there's Aboriginal people that agree, there's non-Aboriginal people that agree, there's, yeah, there's Aboriginal people that don't agree and there's non-Aboriginal people that don't agree. It's like a little microcosm of anything, right? And but the div- the division that's been created, like, um, is been really sad. And and as an Aboriginal person this year, like, we our communities across Australia are really hurting because, like, you can't even look at um, online at the moment. Like, a uh, you know, the Eagles or these sports clubs are like, yeah, we're we're promoting the voice and and good on them. They've they've gone out and had consultation with their Aboriginal players, with their Aboriginal um, community, and they've made a decision. And I mean, polling does show that around 80% of Aboriginal people, um, you know, agree that it's not, you know, the silver bullet, but it's a positive step forward and, and that's fine. But also the grassroots mob are like, nah, not keen and that's fine too. And that's okay. But the division of like, yeah, surfing and sport, um, politics and sport shouldn't be mixed, you know, surfing, footy, whatever it is, like, how dare you, how dare you infringe on my little happy place to be able to, you know, um, be safe from the world, it's like, it's it's okay, you know, like, you've got an Indigenous jumper, like, you know, Otis can release a range on Billabong, um, an Indigenous jumper can be worn in Indigenous round, and and that's cool, and, and like, and they can say something, and you don't have to agree with it, it's all right, but um, yeah, this has been a really full-on year, um, and all that hatred is just spilling it. Like online is is vile at the moment, and um, yeah, the conversations, while courageous and stuff, they're always coming at our expense as mob. You know, like um, everyone's pretty exhausted, and the referendum is not even till bloody I don't know later in the year. Mm. Yeah, that's so that's a li- yeah. Sorry, P- Peter Dutton has thirty thousand bot accounts, so that <laughs> that's uh that's what you can blame uh, a fair few of the comments on. But, man, like, freak, uh, the online commentariat, like, generally those people are so mentally ill. Like, yeah. people need to understand that, you know, the people who are dominating those threads have yeah. probably just, you know, got they got 17 red tube windows yeah. open on their computer. They're fucking... <laughs> oh, I feel eat, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, we got to have... Crispy Creams and Twisties and just, like... <laughs> blowing yeah. ghost loads and then they're yeah. just jumping over tra- to instagram and fucking yeah. just paying off <laughs> miserable yeah, like, cunts oh yeah and i and like i do ultimately after i get you know upset or angry or whatever i do just feel sorry for them but you know once in a thousand i'll bite on something where it's yeah it's not like you can let that hardcore like that real you know um should have wiped you mob out, you know, years ago. And like just that brutal, real direct racism, you can let that go through the keeper and just be like, that person's tapped. Um, the people that are like trying to be allies and advocates and like, you know, like um, one Aboriginal person speaks for all Aboriginal people. It's like, okay, well, that's, you know, a racist thought, but that's cool. Like, I'm not going to go there. But it's like this big group in the middle where people, 
they're looking they're looking to be um in that conversation of being yeah they want to be respectful and um not create offense but they're too scared to like you know and they're just in this and and then every now and then i'll bite on that <laughs> and be like trying to educate yeah share people like have you done the the online course or yeah like here's some resources go and do some some work with you know with your family or your friends or your kids or whatever and then it'll just get like smacked in the face by a million other comments of like oh mm. you know oh you got Zuvic last name oh you real black fella it's like yeah yeah well I'm very proud of my Croatian history and um the Bruins on my grandmother's side were over in the first fleet um and you know I'm also got some English heritage but um um currently um you know connected to Injibani Nura um in Millstream um where our songs and and learning the uh, you know the songs from this country and the language has been spoken for time immemorial you know proofs western science has proved 60,000 years but um you know we, our mob would say we've been here forever and the science is still catching up to the culture right so like <laughs> you try to bring people with your online space this is what you got to do um smitty you got to take them out on country that's and just, it man and just sit there and that's what surfers do bro that's what surfers do. You actually live and breathe, um, you know, culture and seasons, like the six Noongar seasons in Margs or Wajamap, um, our seasons up in, you know, when you go up to Kalbarri and and the Bluff on Yamaji, um, Nyura up there. Like when people tune in and realise that the song lines, the stories, the language, Aboriginal history is Australian history and and spend time with mob, then that's where we're going to get into the zone of um, togetherness, you know? That's it, man. Uh, that is the the solution, really. Like, all those mm. people you're mentioning who are dominating those those comment threads, like, oh. they would never say that to the face of an Indigenous person. Yeah. They just wouldn't. They wouldn't have the heart to, you know? Like, they, they, they'd get there and they, people generally want to have decent relationships and, and, and treat each other fairly kindly but not when they're staring into a screen the whole thing's aggravating even just having to communicate with two thumbs like uh we're just not set up for any of it so it's just a toxic environment it's super admirable that that you wade in there and try to educate people with your very calm and and wise demeanor i can't believe like it's so punished hey like um have you read uh, John John recommended on I think the lineup he recommended um Sapiens um it's uh that awesome book out of America I think it's Yeah Yuval Noah Harari I haven't read it though no Oh it well when John John recommended I was like oh yeah I just had I listened to it and I chucked it on um audiobook but he talked about the three you know the three revolutions and again recommend that for anyone to have a read of um you know the agricultural revolution when um when wheat conquered people, not the other way around. When like you know, mob will move like mob will move and you know um, across with the seasons, following you know country, um, you know, so tuned in to um, you know, hunting and gathering and just like the mo- the most bountiful you know <laughs> places in the world. Um, and then that hunter gatherer style that was happening overseas, and then suddenly like someone like oh let's grow wheat and then hang on now we have to like redirect our waterways to like water the wheat and now we have to put a fence up to like um tell other people to stay away from our wheat we're not going to move we're going to park up here and then we're going to have to sit through the crap seasons and then um and then we're going to have to like yeah get a spear to tell people to stay away from our wheat you know like this is our now ours this is not belong to the nuda to the country this is ours and so it's like talking about that first revolution when people um Mm. thought that they were so cool like uh, just so civilized by um, a- the agricultural revolution of, but it was actually wheat 
um, controlling people. Mate, I love and that. that. That was a really cool, cool um, analogy. I thought in that book. It's a great um, analogy, and mate, wheat has a lot to answer for in this country because uh, <laughs> when you go, uh, you know, particularly down the South Oz, you'll see endless wheat fields, and uh, that's where some of the worst massacres happened. Is uh, down that way, mm. and um, like for those exact reasons, yeah, just trying to guard wheat. Yeah. From uh, you know p- these people have been accessing these lands for sixty thousand years, you mm-hmm. know they traveling across there to get to waterholes and mm-hmm. uh, sacred sites, and uh, all of a sudden it was all off limits and and, yeah. and the butchering started. But uh, as an aside too, like it's so ironic that you know there's always karma, man. Karma is so real, and it turns out the agricultural revolution is one of the worst things to happen to us. I mean, yeah. our heads have been shrinking ever since, like to the point where our yeah. wisdom teeth no longer fit into our skulls. Our septums are just naturally deviated. Like yeah. we have broken noses, not from getting cracked or or anything. They're just like they're just devolving. Devo was right. We're actually our heads are fucking mangling because we just eat mushy foods now. Well, yeah. Then he goes into without doing spoiler alert. He goes into the um the scientific revolution, and then the um the like now the phase we're in now the technological revolution, and thinking that we're so civilized. You know, like you talk about breaking bread at the start of the episode. Like um you know like Egyptians weren't the first ones that um the first bakers of bread. Like the truth is that um Aboriginal people were making damper out of you know um our seeds and our um, our fields and our, you know, like agriculture from a different worldview. Um, and so like um, you look at different people about, oh, well, um, critical race theory or or thinking that like, um, you know, Europeans are more civilised because they um, built a system of, you know, um, control. Like you said, um, yeah, the pyramids are incredible, but they were devised and built by slaves, whereas you know, our mob didn't have slavery. They didn't have... Um, you know, hospitals, they didn't have, um, you know, prisons. Um, like, and yes, the life expectancy wasn't as long, but, mate, I don't know how you'd feel about living, um, you know, 20 years or less, but just never, like, never going to do, you know, chuck on a tie and do a, a nine to five, but just, like, living on this country, just um, singing songs, um, you know, being intimately connected to nature and your, your you know, you your YouTube channels is the Bush TV, the old, um, you know, the fire and, um, and your books are, you know, the stars and the country um, and being tuned in on a, a different frequency. So, um, but, you know, that's where it came from originally, like um, colonization is that, that thing of thinking that, yeah, Aboriginal people weren't here using the land the way it should be. Um, they, they were heathens because they didn't have their, their perception of religion um, the land wasn't getting used. It was terra nullius and therefore we can justify you know, all the atrocities that happened. But, and it's still happening, mate, to be honest. Like, that's still, people are still, if you haven't, can't come to the concept that Terranalius meant no man's land and, you know, the Aboriginal people weren't the world's first philosophers, the world's first scientists. Like, if you can't shift your thinking in, the, you know, there's, it's still going on. There's still people with that colonising mindset of, like, you know, um, yeah, dominant culture rules and everyone else can, can you know, eat it because... Yeah, it's a bit of a spin out. Like when you, but I've seen the chief scientist in West Australia cry, bawling his eyes out because he went off to like Singapore and then did some work there and came back and realized that he'd been living and breathing Noongar country, but like no idea. And then he, like, then now he speaks Noongar, he, he respects 
Noongar and Aboriginal people as the world's first scientists and to see that sort of vulnerability from our our leaders in our systems and Western scientists, you know, then that's um, a really cool shift in people's perspectives. It takes non-Aboriginal leaders and people to to have those aha moments and share those. So it's not always mob like as three percent of the population. It's pretty exhausting for us to always have to do that that truth telling. So we need um, our leaders and and people in positions of power to, you know, to be really, I guess, um, strong with that and and be our, our allies and advocates. So, mm. yeah, the truth telling is critical. Like that just seems to be the first step in the in any kind of real reconciliation process and what the what i mean by truth telling is understanding what really went down and it, the problem is that it, it's never going to come from the top down like i i mean i say that but then you know we have a prime minister now who's from camper down from a, a single parent home from a housing commission home like you know this uh, this is exactly how i was brought up more or less and you know he grew up in parallel to Redfern, as we mentioned, and he goes yeah. to South Sydney Rabbitohs, the you know <laughs> generally the indigenous kind of club. So, yeah. like, if anyone's going to do it, it will be Albo. And he's well, he got he pop- got stung he got stung the other day for yeah mentioning at Anzac like the exact things we just talked about um, the frontier wars and mob coming back and not being recognised as citizens and got got brutalised for that like. Um, but yeah, no, there are there. Yeah. He, he's, he's got some street cred for sure. <laughs> he's, yeah, you know, he's pretty well. Poly's, real... poly's are polys, but you know, like, yeah, well, they work in a system that's completely rooted. So exactly, uh, yeah. he's just one man in that, that fucked setup. But, um, <laughs> yeah. I guess like the truth telling has to happen and the truth telling, the reason it hasn't happened is because no one wants to confront what went down it's too fucked mm. up it's it, it's it's genocidal in uh in its most you know grotesque like it it stands up to anything that's gone down in in history like pol pot fucking uh you know hitler like just the the sheer graphic nature uh mm. and the uh just the freaking what do you call it the indiscriminate way that aboriginal people were butchered and and, you know Mm. chained up and walked off cliffs and poisoned and you know you know you hear stuff like uh and apologize if this is like triggering for people but this is where the the conversation kind of has to go um Mm. you know like uh babies are being buried to up to their heads and just Mm. their heads booted off and and stuff like this like just crazy fucked up shit perpetrated by rum swilling toothless maniacs yeah war criminals um, war criminals and mm. that's why it'll probably never happen in a, in a mainstream way because it's too mm. heavy it's too disgusting but yeah. aboriginal people know that this happened it's all been fed yeah. down through the oral histories it's that yeah. trauma is living on yeah. uh, in ways and, and when white people see aboriginal people not functioning mm. in a white society because they don't have that knowledge, yeah, they don't have the compassion and the empathy that they should. If they, if they, if they really knew what went down, yeah, uh, then they'd have a bit more heart. I feel like, yeah, and and we don't need like we don't need to go into those um, details in order to get like the learning across. Uh, and I think like um, you know, there's horrors in in any warfare, um, but I do appreciate you, you know, like being brutally honest with that those because. Um, yeah, like we do need to be, be mindful of Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander people's like cultural safety and and that, you know, like that it does, like that truth telling does come at, 
you know, at a, a at that expense of of how we feel um like my grandma gives me permission to share her story right and it's pretty brutal like you know um to share that story but it's sort of for me and this is just me personally it's healing each time right so um you know she was taken away from sister kate's at six years old and and you know beaten um and name changed and and taken away from mulga downs which is just north of this this country here and um, you know, near Whitnoom, where the asbestos mines were, um, which my grandfather, you know, later died from uh, mesothelioma and asbestos poisoning. Um, a gran was taken down to, you know, to Perth in the freezing cold, and you know, her brothers were taken to different, um, you know, uh, other different missions. There was like, you know, hundreds of missions, obviously, and like names changed. Um, goodbye, generational wealth. Goodbye, you know. Um, you know, like hello, intergenerational trauma that then is passed down um, and scientifically proven to be passed down through the generations. And then, you know, Gran um, uh, was lucky enough to find her way back home, but not before she was, you know, pretty much made a slave. And, and you know, this is ScoMo saying there was no slavery in um, Australia. Uh, yes, ScoMo, there was. Um, and we've got evidence of thousands and thousands of people that were, yeah, it might they might have been called domestic servants or domestic aides or whatever you want to call it, but coming from getting removed, forced removed to an institution and then farmed out in your teenage years as a young girl um, on the farms, um, yeah, that was slavery, right? And you weren't getting educated, da da da. Anyway, <laughs> grand, grand, yeah, grand found her way back home into our country, right? And and she tells me she shares that story with me to tell others so that there's more understanding about atrocities stolen generation intergenerational trauma generational wealth poverty um uh overrepresentation in in suicide overrepresentation in um you know the world's highest incarceration rates and all those terrible things right so people get more of an understanding and that's not because you're aboriginal that's because of the impact of colonization your cultural identity your is a strength like who you are as an Aboriginal person is a strength um that you know the world's oldest continuing cultures they don't happen by osmosis but yeah I think um like if I share that story grand story I'll adjust it right I'll be brutal like if you and I were there I'd, I'd, t- I'd go in real hard with the details if I trust you if I I can see the purpose for I, I've shared that with year three students before and just really watered it down to like you know, some people thought they were doing the right thing. Others knew they were doing the wrong thing, but that was a snapshot in time, blah, blah, blah. And then secondary students, like you adjust it so that there's learning and um, it's the so what, like, what do you want out of it? I want kids to be growing up having the truth telling that we weren't afforded um, in our schools at that point. So, yeah. So I think the truth telling has to be targeted. You can't just have a, a free roll and like, yeah, people don't just want to hear you know, horror stories to no end. And and there's actually a thing called like trauma porn. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but they people want to hear those traumatic stories, you know, for whatever reason. Um, but in actual fact, you know, whether it's Grand Story or the Wadjum Up story when the WSL went out, um, you know, it's the so what. So we educated millions of people with the story of Wadjum Up um, when the World Surf League went out there, the Red Bull stuff like and the purpose was when you're going to these significant sites to just take a time to learn, to respect country and culture. Um, yeah. So you've got to have a, a purpose in mind, I think, and you want to educate people and bring them with you. Um, mm, mm. That's, that's the, yeah, that's the end game for me. To- totally. Yeah. I mean, for me that the purpose is, is for people to 
be shocked and to feel some of the hurt to to, to try and like impress upon people the hurt so they can feel some of that well squirm to learn squirm to learn right you need to be it's it's sitting in discomfort together right if i tell you like i said if i tell you grand story or the story of wajimap it's not comfortable for me to tell i'm assuming it's not comfortable for you to listen to but through it we we grow and learn together like you can't you can't sit in your little you know like 4b2 in the city and be like oh well you know that was all in the past and get over it and blah 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 and my kids will go to Roto and it's always been Roto to me and they'll go there and have their year six camp and just have a great time, you know, like, it's like, okay, well, yeah, that's not a space to grow and learn together, is it? Um, but mm. yeah, I think, I think, um, yeah, going back to Wajamup, like that place was so culturally and spiritually significant to the Wajak Noongar mob, used to be joined up, you know, 8,000 8, years ago to the mainland. And they've got artifacts out there 20,000 years old. And then it's a place where spirits go. Uh, what I've been taught by the elders down here, um, connected up with their dreaming and their um, where they, where spirits go. And then they rest on, on Wajimap and then go on the back of a, a marmang, a whale. And there's a whale song line that goes the whole way up Noongar Buja, um, uh, Noongar country in the, in the ocean. Um, and so really significant site culturally. And then they took, like yeah, all, almost four thousand men and boys from across WA um, in a strategic, targeted military operation. Right, all the big bosses, all the all the law bosses, all the song men, all the marbun men, all the mag- magic men, all the you know like divide and conquer, like strategic military operation. And then they put them out there, and yeah, they died due to you know almost three three hundred and seventy odd men and boys still buried out there in unmarked graves, and they died due to, you know, illness, um, uh, you know, influenza, um, or just the cold. I mean, imagine looking at the country up there in the northwest and then shoved down into the brutal roaring 40s down here. Um, So that's, yeah, West Australia's biggest death and custody site. Sorry, Australia's biggest death and custody sites. It's on the frontier wars. Um, So, yeah, like when you go out there, like it'd be really awesome if everyone that went to Wadjamup New A, it was called Wadjamup long before it was called Rotnest, which is based on Rat's Nest, you know, and it can be Wadjamup and Rotnest. It doesn't have to be, it can be both, you know, dual naming's okay, as you see in New Zealand. Um, learn about the cultural significance, learn about the history, take a moment, take your kids to the museum, go listen to some Aboriginal people doing some truth telling, and then have an awesome time and go and surf Stricos and go fishing and, um, you know, like, it does. It's not one without the other. You don't have to be like, oh, that's just ruined my, ruined my family holiday now, and like, oh, I can never surf there again, and oh, I can't fish there because this place is just. It's it's a really positive and negative energy out there, and you got to respect that. And like WA in general is like that, you know, like the strength, like the incredible, like you guys are going on with the Swellians down in um in Margs and up like up in Scarbs, like the energy of West Australia is so powerful. Um, yet I've had the biggest compliment to me on that WSL work that Uncle Lenny and I did um, and his family, and that was um, salty old Marg's locals paddling up to me, you know, and being like, oh, man, I had no idea, you know, about Rottenness and even didn't even know I watched him up and, um, oh, I can't believe I just learned this at 65, right? And that's to me, is really powerful. And then they're like, I didn't know this and I'm going to go and learn it. As opposed to, well, it's always been Rotto to me and that's yeah. it. You I know. think that's the point, man. I think that most 
average Australians want to know more and, and are so receptive yep. to real reconciliation. And I mean, mm. going back to Lionel Rose as an example, right? Yeah. Like there's an amazing documentary on SBS. You mentioned the Frontier Wars, which you can also watch on SBS. Um, mm-hmm. But the Lionel Rose doco, like, you know, here's a guy who's uh, indigenous. He wins the world championship. And then he comes back to Melbourne and they have a ticker tape parade and you watch the footage and you're like, what the fuck's going on here? Is, is this for the queen? There's like, <laughs> yeah. like, like tens of thousands of people. Like it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's just so nuts. And then they zoom in and, and there's Lionel in a car and, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's pretty well 97% white people as the, the yeah. population tends to break down in this country. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, when Lionel was asked, you know, did you do this for your people? He goes, uh, like, yeah, Australian people. I, I did this for Australian people. Like mm-hmm. I, I did this for all people in this country. Like mm-hmm. he was a, a man of unity and he was completely, uh, universally adored by the country. Uh, and so, you know, I get the feeling that most people, yeah, everyone I know is mm. generally receptive and, and reasonable. You know, your average blue collar person is, is yeah. totally uh, open to, to hearing the brutal truth and, and to, you know, shedding a tear or showing yeah. warmth and compassion. The problem yeah. is that the narrative is, is pushed and pulled around by scummy media elites and, and politicians for their own, yeah. you know, um, career agenda. Yeah, and that's the, the the disgraceful aspect. But I hope that people can realize that. I hope like indigenous people realize that how many friends they have in in the white community, and that that the white system does not represent white. People. Yeah. Oh yeah. Look, there's hatred on any side. There's there's um, yeah. I think like we've got the most beautiful multicultural country here. Um, but there's a you know there's an underbelly underbelly of of race division, and you know like yeah, like I was saying earlier, like with um. Ash Barty being sort of like the new Lionel Rose in terms of just people just celebrating her character and and um it's really interesting people are like yeah like she's just such an, an awesome Aussie and yep she is she loves her cricket loves her footy um but she's also an incredibly proud Aboriginal woman who when I just read her uh, book um her autobiography about she said you know I've traveled to Wimbledon I've gone to all these flash places and like my most spiritually and rewarding place was going to Uluru and connecting with the communities out there and playing you know, tennis on the red dirt with the kids out there and, wow. you know, w- winning, winning, um, you know, Wimbledon 50 years on from Yvonne Goolagon in NADOC week with, with her exact replica dress on like those, those sort of things don't happen by chance. Like things, you know, things happen for a reason. And um, yeah, like people like that, they do bring people together and they're just so beautiful, but yeah, she can be a proud Aussie and do it for the whole of Australia like Lionel. And she can be a proud Aboriginal woman and share culture. Um, And quite often, I think like with, with sports people as well, they don't typically, um, yeah, they're not shedding a spotlight on their cultural identity because they're just doing the doing, right? Like Solly was just surfing and 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 win and pipe and like you know just, you know look at Seth Manese and these other indigenous um, surfers, like they're just focused on like just perfecting their craft and like in our culture, you don't actually start learning more deeply into like language and connection and country and stuff till you're older and you start having your own kids and you you get to that next stage of your life where you understand it's not your role to be the big Nyambali or the Bidio or the big boss, right? Uh, my Abaji Ned Chidi was one of the oldest Injibundi men to um, elders. He passed away over, uh, he was over a hundred years old, um, passed away 
a while ago. Um, you know, this is his Nuda. He won a national NAIDOC award. And, and Abhiji Ned talks about, like, um, someone said, like, how do you know your culture is getting passed on, you know? And to the next generation, he's like, ask the mangala, ask the baby, you know? Um, and they're like, well, how are you going to ask the baby? Like, what's a baby? Well, if that, if that young... If that mangala grows up and knows their skin group and learns language and um, goes through ceremony and becomes a parent and then a grandparent, if they're lucky enough to become an elder and they've listened and learned and carried their culture, then and you ask them the same question, um, they'll give the same response. Then they say, ask the mangala, then you know the cycle's complete. And yeah, that story is shared by uh, my brother, Michael Woodley and the Cheaty mob, my family, because it's not your job to retain knowledge, right? It's your job to pass knowledge over. And it didn't become the world's oldest continuing culture by osmosis, you know, like it, it's, it was yarning and yarning circles and stuff. They're not just sitting around having a uh, Gunawongi, you know, shit talk. Like it's, <laughs> it's about sitting there, like a really sophisticated way of orally transferring knowledge through song through dance through ceremony through storytelling um and so like looking at ash and solly and, and lionel and stuff they're just doing the doing right they're young leaders they're just honing their craft when they get a bit older they might you know they might start looking at different ways to like you know connect with culture and do other things that they didn't have the time to do but it's also when they have start having kids and start you know transferring through and, and ash certainly is really inspiring to me the way that she um yeah talks about trying to be there for the next generation of indigenous um tennis players in the country and all kids in the country right um patty mules same thing he's he's just started an indigenous basketball um association it's like local state national and then they go over to the nba if you're lucky enough right and they and culture is like front and center mm. um so you get really strong with your culture and you're honing your craft of basketball and it doesn't have to be one or the other so yeah, I feel like Lionel was a bit of a trailblazer, but also maybe in that moment he also couldn't have safely shared culture within that space. And it's like the pendulum swings, right? Because you can't just go uh, 200 years of oppression and then 67 happens, the referendum, and people are now you know, citizens of the country and we're just here and that's it. We're all even Stevens, so that's equality, right? It's But you need that healing time to recover and you know, self-determination and, and positive um, stories and people to share culture and identity. And and that's why I think people are really proud to identify as an Injibundi man or as a Aboriginal man to be really positive and have that. It's like the balance is, it's got to shift and then it will come around to being, yeah, like Paddy Mills, like just world-class athlete, strong in culture um, and a proud Aussie and a proud Aboriginal Australia or um, Torres Strait Island, Australia. Kathy Freeman running with two flags, like mm. all time, all time. Like it's that's not othering. Like that's that's us together still. And yeah. the two flag and people are like, oh, why do you have to have three flags? And this is where that. It was only one guy said that. It was fucking what was his name <laughs> Bruce Bruce Ruxton or some uh, fuckwit from the RSL having a one flag that. one one flag one that nation. That guy's a fucking idiot. I bet he's dead. <laughs> Not a well, right. you know, one flag, one nation, right? Pauline Hanson's not the problem. It's it's a quarter of the people that in you know wherever that voted her in, right? It's the people that sit there and feed into that hate. Um, and she's got plenty of valuable things to say as well, right? She's got lots of strength in her, like everyone has. But yeah, it's it's a bit like the other analogy someone told me was um, like Hitler wasn't the problem, or the Nazi party were like the generals weren't the problem. It was all the public servants. It was all the middle people that were just doing the doing mm -hmm. right. Like of mm -hmm. like this, just trudging ahead of like, and just 
not questioning stuff like you said not questioning the system like you know people go oh democracy it's not perfect but it's the best we got so does that mean we're just all going to be complacent and you know march along um mm. yeah but that's when people they use that narrative to go like with the voice this year oh we're not going to vote yes because it's going to create race division well yes it can if you if you want it to like one flag one nation is it's so divisive when you say i don't care about who you are as a person your connections your history and we're all the same because we're not all the same that's that's equity versus equality we're, we're different and that diversity is different but when you talk about being together like you know you come to my country smitty i'll take you out on country i'll i'll introduce you to the elders anytime brother and we'll go out there and if you've got an open head and a heart you know like you you'll walk out of there you know with so much incredible information um it's not othering but you've got to be open you've got to have an open heart to it and yeah people just yeah that negative spin and the one nation stuff is yeah can be used either way you know mm. like we are we are all aussies and we are all but but we're not all indigenous aussies because you know uncle wayne's family's been in my I've, I've, my dad has been in marg since surfing since 79 or living down there Uncle Wayne's family's been down there for two and a half thousand generations and counting, you know? Um, mm. And it doesn't mean that I'm not connected or you're not connected to country. It just means it's a little bit different, um, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I, I tend to think like the antagonism that does come from certain sections of the white community towards the black community uh, or the indigenous community, uh, 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 a lot of it or, or some of it is potentially uh, the the consequence of, of trauma within the white community. Like trauma doesn't discriminate. And, and mm. as fucked up as colonization was, you know, World War One, World War oh, II, yeah. the Vietnam War were not picnics either. And, um, you know, that trauma, that epigenetic trauma that you mentioned is, mm. is alive uh, well and truly in, in the white community. And in the white community, we don't even have methods for, for dealing with that trauma. We got fucking bourbon, mm. uh, as far as I can tell, like, and, and, and KFC <laughs> yeah. and like, you know, $800,000 debts and like, yeah. you know, for some McMansion home, like, we're we're so much sicker than we realize and we don't even know the reasons for that and uh, full mm. credit to um you know the indigenous population for not only understanding the roots of their trauma but having methods to deal with it like you know going on country and um mm. you know being in nature and, and which is proven you know that's what Eckhart Tolle's book the power of now uh is all about he came to all those realizations just while being on country yeah. uh, in his country wherever that was in Europe or whatever yeah but I, I think like what would also help uh in my opinion would would be for also like there needs to be an understanding that there's a lot of heavy trauma in the white community as well and that, for um, sure that's a serious barrier to you know that anyone who's dealing with significant trauma whether it be through war or just domestic mm. violence or drug or alcohol addiction or abuse or sexual abuse or whatever what it tends to manifest in is, is a victim complex. Um, mm, and, mm. and that is like, I lived most of my life with it and it's a daily battle to, 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 to not uh, lapse into that kind of thinking. But the, the victim complex is, is so toxic. Um, 
And, you know, it, it basically, when you're a victim, you, you're always righteous, you're always in the right, and, and the other person's mm. always in the wrong. You know, the victim mm. the victim can never be at fault, even though you are. It's so, all the time, pretty much. It always seems to em- empower, like, bad behavior and, and bad choices. And, man, if there was one thing I could just vacuum out of people, white and black, it would be the victim complex like it is mm. such a classic consequence of trauma and i see that as well like a lot of people are raised uh it's encouraged a lot of the time mm. um in white and black communities it, it's encouraged as like oh you know you've been wronged by this system or that person uh you know th- like anyone who raises their children with hate in their heart with mm. anger mm. uh with a victim complex they're doing their child a massive disservice. You're essentially encouraging mental illness in that child. And, and that, yeah. that to me is, is, is disgraceful, no matter how true it may be. Mm-hmm. It may be dead true. Like, but it's yeah. not, it's not, it doesn't serve, it doesn't serve the, the child. It doesn't serve you. It, that, that shit needs to be exercised mm. for, from the fucking, the soul and the body, man, because it will yeah. ruin you. Yeah, well, it needs to be separated from the person. Like you say, it needs to be seen as an external influence of, yeah, again, colonization. And and we, when we do that truth-telling, like, yes, we can be really real about the impact and the reasons behind intergenerational trauma. And within that healing, I think, um, you know, it requires, like you said, looking back at Indigenous knowledge systems, um, connecting to country, you know, identity, who you are, um, and yeah, well, what we don't want is like, like you said, people from any race is like a self-fulfilling prophecy of like, yeah, that's just the world against me. And I mean, you know, I, I've like, I, I've been privileged in my whole life. Like we, we talk about, um, you know, white privilege, we talk about white fragility, but also, um, you know, as again, as a, a light-skinned Aboriginal fella, um, you know, my, my brother's a lot darker than me, so he has to have that real um you know direct real you know, racism of like people following um you know security guards following you through shops or um you know like where, whereas my my experiences i have to sort of justify my cultural identity and um experience like subtle racism and then we got like institutional and structural racism just as an example right of what you're talking about but we're learning about it you know together as a society but it doesn't mean that therefore like you say i'm a victim um, I don't have any, yeah, that's all on me as a person. I don't have any, you know, um, I mean, the word self-determination is a little bit of a funny one too. And also like empowering, you got to be careful with some of the language you use. Like uh, I think like, it's like, oh, if you want to talk about empowering, it's like who has the power, it's probably more about power sharing and understanding that like you're part of a system, but also, yeah, you have to work within those systems to be able to, you know, um, break break those structures mm, and and mm. to see it separate as the person i think that's the key is like that person is not going to be you know simon's not going to be um you know in jail suffering trauma all this stuff because he's aboriginal and smitty's not going to be you know impacted by all these things because of your upbringing and therefore we're turning into self-fulfilling prophecies and that's all going to happen to us like but we do need to be really real about how it impacts our our lives and and who we are as people and our identity um but yeah, always got to be like strength based. Um, you know, have a growth mindset and really just focus mm. on, um, you know, how we look at 
healing together. And like I said, if you if like when we go surf, you go for a surf together, come out on country together, um, and tune in. Like that's just one of the many ways to heal, you know, individually, collectively, as a nation. Um, so I'm really, yeah, I'm really hopeful, you know, for individuals from any race um, to look at how they can use country to heal. Um, but it is still going to require, I think, a, a pretty big dip still before we get there. Um, it can't just go, you can't just, you know, it can't just heal overnight. It's it's intergenerational trauma, right? Goes over those and, and the science shows it's passed through generations through the brain, right? Whether it's war, like you say, whether it's war in Vietnam or, or the stolen generations or whatever that looks like, it's going to take generations to heal. And mm. once you get to that realisation, then you can grow together and go like, yeah, what's good for Aboriginal people on country is good for all people. Um, but you can't have a one size fits all like, um, oh yeah, we're all Aussie. And like you say, it happened in the past, get over it. Or, you know, um, I didn't do it. Therefore I'm not going to recognize, you know, that sorry stuff. People like, why should I say, sorry, I didn't do it. It's like, yeah, well, you know, when someone's passed away, how you say, I'm sorry for your loss. You're just acknowledging their hurt. Like you're not taking ownership. If you've lost someone that you love, I'm not saying that I was responsible for, their death i'm saying like i'm sorry for your loss because i'm acknowledging and trying to empathize and hear and heal and hear your hurt mm. to connect with you right and i'm sorry you went through that and then we hug each other and i say well, what can i do for you right that's the sorry whereas people again turn that sorry into like john howard style i didn't i'm not going to say sorry because i didn't do it mm. <laughs> it's like that's not what we're talking about here we're talking oh. about understanding recognition and connecting and truth telling and truth listening and walking together as a society yes, exactly so, mate. that's like, so well put yeah so that's just a, you know just those little analogies like people again how you can spin you know that word of sorry into something you know and then k rudd said uh, kevin rudd said i'm sorry that was powerful but where's the then there's the so what you know, like what, yeah. what, what's the action out of it? Exactly. So... It's a token gesture. I mean, that's the problem with these token gestures. And I guess that's the potentially the problem with the uh, Indigenous voice to parliament that is that it's another token gesture. I mean, what would mm. I'm sure be, uh, you know, I always think it with all these token gestures that come out of the the woke university uh, movements and whatnot, like what a crew on the mission, really. Do they give a fuck? Or um, do they, do they, do, would they, would they rather just like, money and their land back and like some quality housing i think that'd be a nice start it'd be a nice start yeah maybe let's start there maybe let's start like (laughs) repatriating uh with cold hard currency and land and like um you know meaningful gestures like good housing in good parts of the world and like it's both it's both right you want you want the like those those token things are still important like the recognition i had like some stolen generation survivors that was incredibly like the best day of their lives to hear the government try and right the wrongs and then for mob like my grandfather was like oh what for like what what yeah what the so what right actions speak louder than words like our country um just down the road from this country um uh is uh, i don't know if i should probably say the mining company i might i don't think they're listening to this i might not get done for defamation for smitty or what um <laughs> we've beaten them four times in the um in the state federal and high court and the court of appeals and this year we've got an unco- um, 
uh, on country hearing to to pay to pay the rent, right? It's the world's biggest iron ore mine, and it's a certain mining magnate that also sells himself as a pretty, um, you know, like the the the, the great white saviour for humanity of ending slavery and sustainability and all these sort of stuff, right? He's ripped our country to shred. Like country like that has just been strip mined. No, just growing trees back. We're talking about you know just demolished, and he's done it without legal proceedings right so our mob have beaten him for we've been in a legal battle it's, i mean it's been on four corners and stuff in Jibundi versus uh <laughs> the uh mining question of which lots of my friends aboriginal and and, and aboriginal family work for because they're stuck mm. in that's that you know like lots of mob work for them i need lots money of man yeah that's the yeah, bind that's like, capitalism all, yeah, yeah exactly we all need steel we all need like we're all um but like yeah they've they've been operating on our country world's biggest iron ore mine and our mob is still in Un, you know, overcrowded government housing, um, like Redfern times ten. Like our community of Irumagadu of Robin is is always on the front um, of every paper and as the most over reported on analysed place. Um, you know, in Australia. Um, but yeah, we're going to be um, having an on country hearing to see if we can. Um, yes, some some like actual w wealth would be good too, so we can just own our own houses. You know how we all got removed, all the mob got taken off country, stolen, massacred, removed, and still living in you know um, not the best places. Um, and we don't all want to work for like a mining company. You know, like it's like blowing up the Vatican Smitty and saying to all the priests and all the um, mob like, "Don't worry, we'll give you high paid jobs, shipping the shipping the bricks off to China, and we'll like <laughs> and we'll put a nice like." And we'll put a nice, um, you know, bit of like color bond, a bit of concrete on the bottom there. It looks soothing after, um, you know, like, <laughs> or, or or my little old lady analogy. Like if you rob a little old lady on the street, right, and she's got a couple of grand in her purse and you use it to do really good things, are you a good person, Smitty? <laughs> yeah, n n not unless you're Spanian. I mean, but... <laughs> you, could start a found you could start a foundation called... Um, um, the um, prevention of little old ladies getting robbed on the street. But mm. um, it's, um, you know, like at the end of the day, like, yes, mining is a necessary evil. We all need it. It's the economy, blah, blah. But we want our mob to be um, lawyers, doctors, um, teachers, um, law people, fam mums, dads, work at the BP servo, like whatever they wanted to do. And that's not people empowering them. They've got power. They've got they've got the world's oldest culture sitting in their hands. You know, it's not about it's not about telling them what you want them, what are their aspirations for you. Like we want you all to be this, this, and this. It's about our mob, you know, having the funds and the resources to actually um yeah, create a future that we want to walk side by side. We're under no illusions of the space we're in. But yeah, that that mining company, like, yeah, you know, just be nice to people just paid some rent. Um, because yeah, old mate's gone. He's 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 gone from five billion to thirty-two billion now, um, in those twelve years, and those shares have gone from you know two bucks to over twenty bucks, and yeah, like it's they've contributed a lot to. It's also West Australian land, right? It's also all of all the West Australian citizens have suffered from, you know, like there's a there's a I don't know if anyone knows there's a living you know living crisis going on. Uh, cost of living mm. crisis and the rentals and stuff. So yeah, all our non-indigenous brothers and sisters are getting a pretty raw, raw stick as well. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah. And I guess like, uh, you know, resources are, are so helpful. Like I don't mean mining resources. I mean, just financial resources for <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, they are helpful. Mining resources are <laughs> essential at this point in time. But what what I mean is like, 
you know, housing, uh, you know, dignified housing um, and financial uh, opportunity or, or just even finance. I mean, I, I don't want blackfellas to have to work as fucking lawyers and doctors and journalists. I want them to be on a universal basic income with me going surfing <laughs> and, and hunting in our spare time, hunting and fishing and surfing. Oh, mate. And uh, doing Wim Hof and meditation. But uh, look, I guess that that's my point, right, is like um, resources give you the, the time to heal. And I think on a deeper level, all the resources in the world aren't necessarily going to cure the trauma, uh, particularly in the indigenous community, which it's unparalleled because it's it's cycling out of control. It's deepening like in a lot of cases. And it's like, you know, people want to talk about these token gestures and uh, like for me, it all boils down to trauma and Mm. what are the, the best ways to address and mm. cure it and yeah. it, it it's simple but not easy the solution and it, it, there isn't a one size fits all as you mentioned mm. yeah but at the same time there are really proven strategies um yeah. and, and and a lot of it you know frick man like you know it, it's you know and i'm speaking from personal experience like yeah yeah um you know my mother was a victim of domestic violence and i had to live with the consequences of that yeah, uh, I, yeah. I, um you know ironically uh an indigenous guy did uh you know uh, and i'm a victim of violence uh, and a perpetrator of violence and uh yeah you know, i got metal plates in my face uh mm-hmm. yeah, ironically also from you know punching on with the aboriginal rugby league team or a an aboriginal team redfern um yeah, we, had, yeah. we, had, we had Corey's in our team who mm. you know again like just to illustrate the diversity of the indigenous population, you fucking hated Redfern. And so, there, yeah. there's, you know, like it's, it's all so complicated when you're actually it's, in the thick of it. it it's mm. not, it, there is my point being that um, there's methods that I've only been introduced to over the last five years. And it, it, it's, you know, it's the same old shit I talk about all the time. It, it's Wim Hof, it's ice barbs, it's meditation. <laughs> it's yeah. like, um, you know, it's movement. It's it's healthy food, um, yeah. and and these are the, the the bedrock of of healing trauma, and it must be done on the daily. There is no like magic mm. pill or, or magic treatment that will cure you for life. It, it's a, a process of spending mm. as many days in a row, uh, trigger free and trauma free, and hoping through neural plasticity you'll yeah. forget, you'll forget your traumatized self and, and you'll change your genetic code, which is also yeah. possible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're still in a situation uh, with regards to indigenous community of these insanely high incarceration rates. We've yeah, um, like also like the abundance of sugar and, and poor foods. Like one of my mates oh, from from La Perouse, uh, Gavin, yeah. like long bottom a curry follow from down yeah. there. You know, yeah, I surfed against him in the um at the Bell's Nationals last year. Right, right. Yeah, he's the man. Like, sick, and, sick, yeah, awesome community. Mate, awesome community down there, yeah. and a really interesting community because they mm. are um they're different to very different to Redfern. Redfern yeah. is a very like transient community. You know, mm-hmm. like a crew from all over um, yeah. the country and. Uh, mm. The state would come and hang there, whereas Larpa is its its own little world, and it's also near yeah. the wharves, uh, the Botany Wharves. So there's like a lot of like it's kind of it, it's Koori, but it's also like there's job opportunities. It's politicized. Yeah. It's working class. It's all these things. It's it, yeah. It, it, it's it's proudly cultural, but Mm-mm. also blue collar. And anyway, Gav, um, you know, he's gone on a 
on such a crazy journey to heal himself from drug and alcohol addiction. I might have to take his name out of this. I, I don't want yeah. to you know, yeah, yeah. be insensitive. But the lessons he has uncovered in his journey are, are so powerful. And yeah. he, he says, you know, his first addiction was sugar. Like that's yeah. number one. Yeah, big and time. You see it all the time, man, particularly around here in West Ballina. I see little Groms. A little Koi Groms drinking cans of Coke at 7am, uh, man, and my heart breaks. And I just yeah. think, fuck, like they've already, the system's already got its hooks into them. You know, Coke, sugar, it sets off the same receptors in the brain as, as uh, cocaine and, and heroin. And, and oh, yeah. like, it's, yeah. it's so underrated. Uh, and, ah, uh, man, it's like unpicking all of these electrodes of, of, of mm. the capitalist matrix and, mm. and, and the way, the, the, multitude of ways that it's hacked yeah. our bodies and brains and this is for white and black people obviously yeah it's yeah. a big job man it's a big yeah. job yeah well like again i liked how you linked a few of those things into that universalism in terms of yeah like yeah sugar it's 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 just a demon seed for like i mean i'm i'm hooked on it myself i got so many families with, with diabetes and um yeah, just it, it, it's it's evil and and like circling back around to, um, you know, like again, we're going to be real about the the world's highest incarceration rate of Indigenous people, the world's highest suicide rate, um, you know, but there are he, there is healing solutions both Indigenous knowledge systems and Western science, um, you know, obviously counselling and um, you know, again, it might work different for different people, but, you know, he healing and connecting through your spirit spirituality, um, through your identity, you know, your kinship systems, your connection to country. Um, like I said to you, most of those um, Aboriginal surfers that go to these comps um, are healing and a stolen generation. And it's about connection, community. The surf, the comps, just an excuse to get together and have a modern day, you know, cooperate essentially and a big celebration. And then, and then even doubling back around to your own experience, Midi, like um of that trauma um you know at the hands of an aboriginal fella like it, it it's that reconciliation of in your mind that like that doesn't mean that all aboriginal people are terrible people which which is a really hard thing because it's not like oh, if a white fella treats me like treats me like i'd have a fight with a white fella i'm not going to say oh you know that's it i hate all white fellas and stuff so like it's it, it's hard to reconcile and people have had negative experiences with aboriginal people it's it's possibly harder for them but it's it's that institutional entrenched systemic racism that needs to be unpacked like look at what's happening with alice springs at the moment right like someone told me the other day oh i want to respect culture and share um and celebrate you know language and stuff but like alice springs you know <laughs> and i was like oh yeah well tell me more about that because really um you know, like I could do an, I live in Scarborough. We could do an expose outside, um, you know, where you guys did the Ain't That Swell Live at, at Scarborough um, and go and talk to the, you know, the people from a myriad of 30 different cultural backgrounds about why they're selling ice, beating up their um, partners, you know, like domestic violence and all that sort of stuff. So you've got to be really careful with, you know, and all, I'm sure you and all your crew know this already, but what you, the information you're being fed on by media and the race division that's happening right now like alice springs my, my friend just got back from alice springs and went to uluru and just said it was the best time ever said mm. it was she had a great time like it didn't say anything so whatever but like yeah thank you for like you know um you know sharing that of your you know of your own personal experience and then coming to that reconciliation that like yeah that doesn't mean because that person did that to you and your your mum and your family that that means that it's a blanket like all mobber 
you know, like terrible people. So it's, 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 but people have to come to that through, yeah, through a myriad of ways and, and it's about healing and, and truth telling. And, you know, I really appreciate you just getting me on here to have a, have a yarn um, and cover a lot of ground, but people have to also take responsibility to do that for themselves. Um, and, you know, like with the Uluru statement, I, I've got people messaging me all the time, like, oh, what do you think? And why is there Aboriginal people saying no and yes and stuff? And I just don't have, like, our mob just don't have any energy to, like, continue to educate people all the time. So I get people to just go and do, like, you got to do the work, you know, like like you say, with healing and getting over into generational trauma, people have to do the work. Um, and we can be supportive uh, and wrap our arms around our brothers and sisters, but they've also got to commit to to taking action and, you know, the old, you can only lead a horse to water or, you know, like you got to, people got to take responsibility as well. It's a, yeah, whatever your race or color. Exactly, man. That That's yeah. the, the brutal truth of it is, is, is like, at, uh, there's no point waiting for systems to change. Like, yeah, the change has got to come from within you and, and we have the tools and the tools are all free and I just mentioned mm. them all. And, mm-hmm. and these aren't tools that even come from white society. These come from freaking Tibet and fucking india and like you know um, yeah well the mob ancient with, with, cultures yeah well ancient, prob- you look, you look at trading cultures. with yeah they'll probably trade in with black followers like back in the day and, and like yeah. you know i'm sure and in, in the indigenous world has like incredible healing methods um they just yeah. you guys don't have the the time or resources to just go on country <laughs> Did, and, and connect with country because you got to pay the fucking rent and shit so didn't didn't go didn't go through didn't survive through four ice ages by um yeah by fluke like it's uh yeah like i said highly sophisticated knowledge systems um and indigenous well-being you know i think like we said the western science um is still catching up to indigenous knowledge systems and i think um like you know it like when you go out to nalu and the bluff or, or wherever you sit outside under the stars um you know just completely decolonized and just sitting around the fire having surfed and fish and like cooking up a you know a spanish mackie or just sitting there on you know, buying your country, looking at the stars, it's like that is that's life, not not what's been constructed um for us. But yeah, we are stuck. We're not we're also realists and we we are stuck in that we understand the system that we're stuck in. But the people are the system and I think, you know, I think we should be pushing really hard for, you know, for four four day weeks, for three day weekends at a bare minimum. Um hundred percent. when you know when the pandemic happened as well, like we we got really excited, the mob, because it was like, oh, people might actually learn that they have to like, yeah, switch off and, and, and like people were actually connecting to like, Oh, look at like what's outside the, you know, the black cockatoos are coming in the Karaks are coming in. Um, Oh, that, I didn't realize that season, like, you know, the season analogy, like those four seasons from Europe have been um, colonized or transposed over here. They don't fit our climate or our country. Like the six seasons that you're living and breathing down here on Noongar like, uh, brother Zach Webb was on the podcast um, with Joey Chappell. And again, I'll, I'll sh- shout out to the WSL have done a, a great job in in advocating for more Aboriginal voice at, at the Margie's comp and also across the world. And, and brother Zach was just schooling the mob about, okay, so here's that song line coming in for the, um, you know, during season. And you can see the, um, you know, the, 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 the herring coming in and the, and the salmon chasing the hair, chasing them. Um, and then the, you know, then the dolphins chasing the salmon. And then that means it's this, you know, Jiren's here and the cooler winds and like, you, that's an example of like, but it's, but it's the first day of autumn on bloody, um, 
you know, the 1st of March. The, the calendar that was brought over here from, you know, from um, <laughs> colonised, it's that told me what day it is. It's cold for, geez, it's cold for autumn or it's hot for autumn or like, <laughs> it's like, or, or um, you could learn the six seasons that have been living and breathing, um, the wind, the swell, the tides, the, the flora, the fauna, um, and that's what I think surfing is in a really beautiful space. And I just encourage every surfer out there to find out more about local history and cultures. And then just like, it's this little frequency, Smitty. It's like, you know, when you're on AM and you listen to AM radio and you <laughs> you listen to like Macca in the morning or something, you're like, oh, this is a bit rough. And then you switch over to like, you know, just an, an <laughs> easy listening or like you're listening to Warumpy Band and you're, or the Pigram Brothers or you're like cruise, you know. Uh, King Stingray and you're cruising up and you're like, this is better. <laughs> it's a frequency where you're like, oh, this sounds like this sounds like Australia. This sounds like um although Mac is pretty Australian, but you know, like <laughs> um yeah, it's a frequency that I think surfers are gonna get to in the next, you know, little while. I think the kids mm. are our the kids are our future. Like the kids come home and they're like, you know, hey dad, it's hey, it's Jiren, dad. Like it's like my little boy's five. Um, you know, Ty walked home when we moved. So we lived in the Kimberley for twelve years. I was teaching up there and Bidjadanga and and Broome um and then I was down here four years in this in this country um and Tyler's just walking back hey dad it's like Jiren right now because this and this and this and I was like oh yeah Jiren and he's like no dad Jiren Jiren like and my little five-year-old's like teaching me pronunciation what's happening out on country and so the intergenerational learning that's how the healing's going to come as well through the little guys so, you know, like kids are, you know, so good at just simplifying things. Like like you say, PC, yeah, we get all like in our heads about like, oh, can't say this, can't say that. Like you say woke, PC, da-da-da. And kids are just like, it's Jiren season. This is Noongar Buja. Like, you know, always was, always will be. And for everyone, like, and that's cool. And and it's autumn too. And that's okay. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, don't stress, don't stress. You can You can still have your autumn. It's not one or the other, so... Um, yeah, I think kids, great message, I think, man. Yeah, I think surfing and kids. Um, you know, there's there's a real, real um, shift. You're right in our society. I think we're in a, a really awesome space, but it, there is still going to be a lot of yeah hate and hate and division to test us as a as a society. But yeah, bro, no, I really appreciate you getting on. And um, are you going to come over to WA soon as well? We're going to get you back over here and actually, we've got to take you up on country in the northwest. Mate, I'd love to. Yeah, um, dude, I could not be more psyched to get up in the northwest, and yeah, uh, you know, there's no place like it, man, on the planet. It's, it's so Australian. uh, It's so indigenous. It's so ancient. It's like, uh, man, it really (laughs) is just like there's not really words that I can use to describe that country up there. How good was Dave when you guys played Davies? Um, like if everyone hasn't heard you know, Spirit and Native, like the Yothi Indie clip, which doubled back around from the Billabong Challenge um scene, like it's just it's as good as it gets, hey. And um yeah, through the Aboriginal flag up there and Dean's is like, Oh, Dino's next he goes, Oh, but they they already think he's Aboriginal, but he's, you know, um Native American Indian. Native American, but you that's know, right. But but he, he said it himself, he's like, But we're all connected to to country and I was like and and that country up there, Bayangal country, like um, it's like the swell as surfers, we all chase a swell and we follow the seasons up the coast. Well, that's what the mob did as well. They migrated up the coast. Um, the song lines, like uh, Brother Zach, you know, gave the surfers all a, a whale tail, a marmung tail made out of sandalwood, which was from Yamaji country. So it was like a, 
um, sandalwood like whale tail that, and he told him the story about when the the whales walked off um, the land down here, um, and because they're mammals, because they're from the country, and that's you know brother Zach can he he shared that with the surfers, um, and then how they migrate and have babies up in the Kimberley, and that song line goes all the way up at the east coast and the west, actually west coast and the east coast, which I've learned from a lot of the mob on that side. The the song lines going up both sides of the country and then in, even into Uluru and back out, having their babies up on you know where I was working up in the the Kimberley and and then coming back down. And you know when you know whales like beach themselves, um, like that's their spirit, you know, returning you know back to Budja, um, you know, going back to country. And um, yeah, I've learned that from you know, brother Zach and uncle Wayne Webb and a lot of the Noongar mobs down here. And it's like, you know, just mind blowing, like Western science still doesn't know what cultures, you know, what, why whales beach themselves and the mob, you know, have got it sewed up in, in terms of like that cultural stuff. Um, but yeah, that whole Northwest is just incredible. And um, yeah, surfing at the Nalu and the bluff, it's just tapping into that energy Um yeah, some of the best waves in the world and but you have to respect you have to respect that country. Um, you know, it's 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 very, very strong energy, that Ningaloo mm. reef. And then when you go back up into Broome where um I was teaching in Rubibi on Yaru country, we had those big category five cyclones come around. Um and actually Davies and, and Harry Bryant, like I kept telling that mob, come up and catch some, you know, some Wonkaja, some mud crab or some some barramundi and stuff and and I left uh yeah, four years ago and him bloody him and Harry rocked up for a category five cyclone um just after I left and um but they learned about I sent them to see Brother Bart Pigram and they learnt um about the dinosaur footprints up there and how that was connected to like the emu dreaming of the you know, of and people are like, oh, giant emus, but no, nah, they're dinosaur footprints. It's like, yeah, yeah, like, you know, how the emus got, you know, and the emu in the sky and um, the Milky Way and that song line about the emu in the sky, the dark emu and, yeah, and then, then the song lines about the, the dinosaurs and, you know, like, and people's minds. Just, I think people, it's so abstract sometimes that people just can't, it's like, oh, no, that's all made up stuff, like, you know, because it's just too... Um, yeah, it's too much to fathom, you know, like, mm. oh, that song lines, there's a, you know, um, a dinosaur footprint here, but it's connected to an emu dreaming story and, and, and that goes across the whole of Australia. Like, you know, a lot of our language on this side is, is similar to over there, like mm. on the East Coast, you guys got like similar language to us. There's, there's, yeah, it's mind blowing, but you know, it's, it's going to be hard to fit 65,000 years into a podcast, mate. Into a... <laughs> <laughs> oh, um... That's the truth, man. But <laughs> far out, there's just so much uh, connecting to be done with mm. uh, Indigenous people and Indigenous culture. And it, it's really about finding the, the correct space and place to do it. There's so few mm. spaces and places to do it. I mean, I was fortunate enough, uh, you know, uh, obviously, you mentioned a couple of negative experiences uh, with blackfellas, but like ninety-eight percent uh, were positive, and that's why yeah, yeah. I don't have uh, any ill feeling towards Indigenous people because we have mm. so many close Indigenous friends, and I grew up going to Survival Day um, now See. Yarbin, and um, you know, also you know through playing rugby league uh, and these sports, but being in these situations where. Uh, there was a lot of indigenous people and, and you're, you know, sometimes you, you're the white, uh, you're the minority being white in, in that mm. setting. And, yep. um, or, or even it might be 50, 50 or close to it. And, and it's a beautiful thing, man. 
It's a beautiful yeah. thing when everyone feels comfortable. Yeah. And and you can actually connect with uh indigenous mm. culture in, in a really authentic way. Um, that's like, you know, it, it's politically incorrect, man. Mm. Like it's it's as it's as complex and funny and <laughs> and like you know, just like crass and, and vulgar yeah. as, as, yeah. as any other culture. Like, you know. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like- yeah, it's all about relationships and context. And, um, you know, the reason I reached out to you guys was just when Black Lives Matter was happening, the fact that you got Brother Otis carry on and just had a yarn and like, and and just had that real talk, you know, um, I think that's what you guys do really well. And, you know, surfers, like, I think would probably see themselves as an Indigenous you know, group in terms of like connecting to, um, you know, something deeper, like a deeper thing. But, um, you know, again, when we say, like I've said it quite a few times, surfing is an Indigenous sport, like, right, it came from Polynesia, it came from, you know, the Hawaiians. Um, that's not about othering or about, de- you know, um, devaluing or discrediting what anyone else thinks surfing has to be or should be, but it's just acknowledging like this was the sport of kings, um, you know, where it came from, like be a student of history and the mob was surfing along our coast. Like, it'll get proven. Like they've got, they got pictures of a Yamaji bloke like doing, you know, on on one of those like mangrove, um, you know, um, just standing there. Um, just cruising up a river like there's you know there's canoes in Arnhem Land there's they they were seafaring mob a lot and and I think yeah like in terms of the world's first surfers well it depends depends what you're going to call a surfer but yeah like it's it's about intent right and and you can have a you know go and talk to Hawaiians or to, to mob you, you could come you could come down and come to the national titles in a few weeks at Bells at Girac there on you know what our own country come and sit with the mob you know and and some of them might be like oh yeah heard your yarn with Simon that was awesome others might go like oh you know wouldn't have said this and what do you mean by that and that's an opportunity to listen to people because Mm. it's not about being an expert and that's what like you know I'll listen to this again and think oh yeah well you know like I've been grabbed by elders um you're constantly learning and it's not your job, like as a double background, to be the the font of all. What you know, when people are experts, right? They like get their PhDs and doctorates, and they're they're an expert. It means they're closed, you know, and and they're mm. and they're the fountain of all knowledge, right? When you're vulnerable and you're open and you're like, yeah, Simon and Jed had a really good yarn, a little longer. Um, you know, a lot of people got a lot out of it, but also people that weren't happy with it. Well, yeah, sit there behind you your crispy creams and type away, or come and have a yarn to um, Smitty and 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 Simon and um and have yarn with us because um I'm really interested to hear your perspective and and listen and learn from you um and your journey and so yeah I think we just have to have positive self regard um I'd love to see you you know if you ever want to come down to to Bells or any of the Indigenous comps um you know come and connect you probably know some of the mob anyway I think um I I don't know if I'm heading to this one in a couple of weeks actually because I I got COVID last year I turned forty. Um, and I was packing up for the bluff with all my mates. We had a couple of shacks on the beach. Um, and actually, Clary was getting married up there. Um, Courtney Brown was getting married on the beach. Um, and I like had two shacks on the beach booked um, for the week after his wedding and like chucked all my stuff up, like had the beers, the cold beers, the food ready to go. Half of mates up there and they're like, <coughs> like got the, got, yeah, got, and at that stage, it was still like the family hadn't had it. So, um, yeah, I just went and sat in my room for like a oh <laughs> couple God. of days before I even unpacked the car. But then the flip side was I got to fly over to Bell's um, straight out of that 
So I missed out on my 40th at Bluff, but I got to go and see the mob and bloody surf against Robbie Page and Hugh, Anthony Hume in the final of the, the old boys division, which was really cool. Um, wow. And, and see all the mob. Um, so, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Um, and Sean, I want to do a shout out to Sean Doherty too. Sean O um, has been doing some incredible um, articles with all the mob as well. Um, yeah, some really cool truth telling. And I think the latest 60th anniversary mags come out for Surfing mm-hmm. World and it's got Brother Zach on the final page. He wanted to he wanted to close um, and sort of share share you know, Zach's story. Um, yeah, like it, it's really cool. We're going into a really cool space, I think, like where people hopefully want to be yeah connecting with mob and you know rip curl just did a reconciliation action plan they just launched it it's awesome like you know what can we be doing as a surf industry is fantastic Mm. um you know but yeah it comes down to conversations relationships um and just walking together and you know you know into a future that we want to see for our kids and our kids kids and you know the old cliche of of leaving country and and our future generations you know in a in a better space than we left it when we found it so um yeah i feel like surfing's in a really exciting time to do that more um and yeah i'm really stoked on yeah just even the dual naming of things you know like one of the elders here said oh like they got him on the radio and they're like oh what about all the dual naming it's going to be like really confusing isn't it like having two names and he's like yeah, yeah. And um that was like a shock jock and he's like, Oh yeah, so you agree with me? He goes, Yeah, yeah, like it is confusing. Like we had names for all these places. You guys started the dual naming. So if you can just take away all your English names and go back to all oh, the Look, can, yeah. we, can we can we get rid of like a heap of English shit in this country? I'd love to fuck that Union Jack off out of the flag. That'd be epic. I didn't get to vote on that one. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe just like a, change just a yellow the... sun, just a yellow sun right there. That'd be yeah, sick. but that'd be yeah. sick. Uh, yeah. yeah. Any any kind of uh, indigenous iconography in place of that big red and white fucking symbol of murder and slaughter. Oh, hang on, mate. Hang on. It's co- the coronations just happened, mate. A bit of respect, please. Like. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> and 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 maybe the like changing the the names of, of some of these states like uh New South Wales, uh, Queensland, uh, I don't know, Victoria, uh, like. Well, oh, you've seen the indig- you've seen the indigenous like map, right? Of all the different colours, yeah. it's like you know, like it's it's we had place names for these places, but like funnily enough, like Uncle Lenny talks about how like Noongar mob colonized white fellas as they were going through, they were showing them all the names, like um, all the up names, you know, down South, all the, you know, the quorum up and, um, you know, all the places that end in up, it's all place of. And so like now 70% of place names in the Southwest are of Noongar origin. And so now people have to investigate what they mean and what they're, you know, so they're sort of speak, they've been speaking Noongar without knowing, you know, or at least the names and stuff. So they're, they're like decolonizing. So um yeah, you know, we're not going to get, I don't think we're going to get the state's names changed, but at least we can have the dual naming. I think we can live with the dual naming, you know, like it's okay to have two names. Um, mm. Well, it's so, so offen- it's offensive to uh, First Nations people, but also offensive to like the history of, uh, you know, fascism that reigned over this country, over all the Irish convicts and shit that were brought here. Like it's a symbol of that, you know, there was yeah. a, a lot of oppression that went on there and a lot of torture and and slavery um exacted by uh, aristocratic british fascists over uh you know the the irish people who were sent here in chains so like it's just wrong i can't believe we still have that weird connection to england the joint's fucking (laughs) reeking like (laughs) gross yeah it's just uh yeah like it's it's 
it's interesting. Like I think that space we're going to go into is, um, yeah, as we sort of decolonize is it, it'll get there. Like I think it'll, it'll be a part where, yeah, the world's oldest continuing cultures will, um, you know, form part of all of our national identities and, um, yeah, whether there's, you know, again, future referendums that become a republic and it's going to take um, the next generations, it, it'll be part of that intergenerational healing. So I think, um, yeah, it'll take time, but like the mob, you know, um, or the Bidjidanga mob say to me, um, when's something going to happen? Straight away, one of these days. <laughs> like, I love that. It'll, it'll happen when it fucking happens. That's it, <laughs> um, man. You know, um, so, yeah, you got to be patient and you just got to, keep being the change that you want to see within society um but yeah i'm really hopeful i'm really optimistic that um you know yeah i think like just little things like when you land in places on you know Qantas and whatever now they're saying um acknowledgement they're saying the the local mobs and even you know some of the names like Buralu on wajak buja in, in perth like and actually making it more um connected to different cultures and countries um you know Girac bells um you know, Woodich up, Ilya and Margaret River, um, and just looking at it through different eyes of like Banjalan country or you know, Kuri country or Injibandi Nyura. Um, and that's a value add to our ident to our national identity. Um, but yeah, I think we're still a we're still a way off. So it's a it's a long playing the long game, Smitty. Just gotta yeah. Mate, you're one you're one of the key players in the long game, man. And and just quickly, like what are the what are the the roles that you're fulfilling at the moment, I know obviously you're working with the, the WSL in like a kind of a, a cultural role, cultural edu uh, educational role. Yeah. But that's generally what you work in is the field of, of education and, um, yeah, and cultural kind of education, right? Yeah. Teaching and working across the state, um, you know, um, sort of just educating people. I guess it's, again, it's like, it's a bit like, being an uh, Injibundi person, you don't really, it's it's sort of like what, what you live and breathe anyway is being an educator. Um, so like culturally or professionally, I, I live a very uh, blessed life in, in terms of I get to do stuff like this as, as a job and sort of, you know, teach teachers and, and work with crew, um, you know. Uh, but yeah, WSL stuff, I've been really blessed that the Wadandi um, elders and the community down there have, you know, because I was born in, in Boran up um, down in the place of the tall timbers or the Boon, the bush chili down, you know, 30 K south of Margs and the beautiful big forest there. Um, Cause I was born on country. Um, you know, they've given me the permission to have a voice um, because they know that I'll be respectful. Um, and then when I went out to watch up and did that little bit of work with them out there, and like Red Bull and stuff, it was, um, yeah, got permission from my elders in the Northwest to go and, you know, be involved in that um, truth telling. Um, so, you know, like I don't live on our country, you know, I, I try to get up for funerals, sorry, business meetings, native title meetings, um, law and culture ceremonies when I can. But the reality is I'm, I'm pretty urbanized and I'm living in the big smoke with the family. So I'm just doing what I can. Um, and, you know, again, things in a really weird way, things happen for a reason. You know, I went, traveled the world surfing, you know, went to Hawaii and um, across the world surfing and then became decided I want to become a teacher, like as I was traveling the world and then came back um, and went up in the Kimberley teaching for 12 years. Um, met my newba, met my, my my better half up there, had a couple of boys and like raised them in the remote communities up there. And then, yeah, came back down here and the, the, the first year I was here, like um, COVID happened and then all those um, comps across the uh, world, um, you know, got canned. Um, 
And suddenly, you know, Rottnest popped up and it was like, whoa, um, you know, I mean, I'd been doing Indigenous surf comps at Fingal and and down we used to have the Billabong Challenge at Injun Up and, um, you know, the the Indigenous comp down there for a while and, and doing the, the Indigenous surfing stuff. So it had been on my radar already. But when um, the WSL announced that comp out there, I was like, oh, okay, right, we need to do some truth-telling. And, yeah, I was lucky enough to be out there and then been working with the Wadandi Academy of some grommets down um, in Margie's um, with the kids in the high school. Um, again, like using surfing as a vehicle to connect them to culture, um, similar to what the Jurakai mob do, uh, what the Nauru mob do down at Coffs with um, Amber and, you know, um, Eric Mercy's kids, you know, Amber and James, and big shout-out to all those incredible communities on the East Coast. And yeah, I guess we're also doing some First Nations um, uh, performance stuff with uh, Surfing Australia as well. So just doing a bit of a mentoring, um, uh, cultural sort of mentoring. I mean, they've got Otis and, you know, the Black the black Kelly Slater, Russ Maloney and all these incredible guys that can be the surfing mentors, you know. But um, yeah, in terms of like connecting to culture and identity and stuff, um, I guess, um, yeah, blending a... Um, I into that and, and also we've been having conversations around a national indigenous surfing network for quite a while since well, since the 90s actually um, so still trying to get that up and running um, with the mob but yeah very tricky when we're all just trying to yeah like you said pay the rent live our lives mm. um, raise kids you know follow culture mm. learn la- learn language decolonize Smitty um, <laughs> and go surfing <laughs> and go surfing yeah yeah um, so yeah, it's it's uh now I feel very blessed. I'm very lucky that um my three passions of sort of culture, uh, education and surfing have sort of merged in in my life and um yeah, and I really appreciate um and, and grateful for having a, a wonga with you and and yeah, just the work that we're doing um in the space of um yeah, Aboriginal surfing, indigenous surfing, you know, and education together with with the mob so yeah, I'm just one of like you go to those those surf comps. There's just gold, absolute gold from all levels of you know. And we used to even have the indigenous um, invitationals with like the Fijians and the Tongans and the Maldives and the Hawaiians. You know, yeah, like man. back in the day, we like in the nineties, like rabbit what was happened like, to them. Well, just a whole heap of um, yeah, just different circumstances. But you know, in the nineties in Fingal, we had like you know, I think Makua and. You know, Eddie Rothman and we had like um Buttons was there, man, and like, you know, we had like some really incredible cultural leaders from around the world. Um, so that was pretty inspiring for me as a grommet to look up and have those cultural sort of connections. Um There was even but, a uh, an indigenous exchange program, right? Like uh Andrew Ferguson, rest in peace, I believe, yeah, uh, went to Hawaii for a period, uh and was like connected with the yeah, I don't know, just the, the local mob there, and uh, yep. yeah, that's super interesting. This is like a, a really kind of untold uh, yeah. history of surfing. Yeah, we'll have to do another yarn, I think, for this one. But there was, um, yeah, Uncle Uncle um, Fergs and um, you know, Uncle Morris Cole. Um, you know, oh, he like he go-to. Morris, mate, yeah. Mo- Morris, um, mate, Morris used to shape my boards. Um, well, okay, this is you know, just throwing in some names here, but um, as a grommet, like he. MC had Taj on the payroll or, you know, shaping Taj's boards and Margo's and Noah Johnson's and stuff. And so I used to get all of um, Margo's old boards that he would like finish with. It was so sick. And then, or he, I'd get the odd board that was shaped with his templates. Um, actually, Nathan Rose, a mate of mine, took over from MC's factory 
um, in Margs, and he's still got the old templates. He dusted one off for me last year and did a an MC old Exmargo uh, board. But yeah, I used to get those boards from um, MC. So uh, yeah, Uncle Morris was really supportive of all our um, you know Indigenous surfing. And then yeah, the Russ Maloney, the Black Occupy. Then you had the Black Kelly Slater. Uh, sorry, the Black. Um, sorry. Russ was a black Kelly, and then we used to call Fergie, um, yeah, Fergie, rest in peace, black black hockey, um, and you just had incredible Aboriginal service. Yeah, there was some cultural exchanges to Hawaii and and to Fiji. Um, I think Rory Togo, um, Dale Richards, um, geez, once I start listing off all the incredible mob, you know, there's we've got um, a wealth of Indigenous surfing um, experience. Um, and yeah, it's, it is a bit of an untold story, you know, like again, Solly, Solly, just like, oh yeah, John, John, Kelly, uh, Jamie O'Brien we, we didn't, oh, and Solly, <laughs> you know, little, little black fella from, from Byron. Um, yeah. So now we, we're pretty lucky, but yeah. Um, now Morris was a big influence on my life. He, he, um, yeah. Talk about truth telling. Oh, <laughs> it was a bit of an eye opener. He's um, the best. He yeah. is. Uh, yeah. He's one of my all time favorite characters. Did you, did you ever get to tap into the, the Morris Cole rave cave over there? In uh, Oh yeah. The, I was a bit young for the rave cave, but um, I mean, I grew up in Margie's. I grew up, um, yeah. Like Dino, Dino and Yaden and all those boys are a bit younger, but um, uh, my age was uh, Tommy Innes was in my years, mm. you know, Shane Gould's um, kids, uh, him and Bob and Bobcat, who surfs just as good as Tommy. Um, you know, Chris Ross was, you know, he used to do the, the, oh, the Chris Ross is an icon. Crossy was in my year, bloody um, Brody Hawker, like, you know, a bit older than us was Rowan Annesley, Brett Hardy. And, um, and that was really cool having that yarn with, um, you know, with Whitey and, and to hear about the impact of, you know, the tension and in, in the lids mm. and stuff. But um, yeah, I, again, I was really blessed to grow up in Margs in this like under the hardcore surfy crew. And then we had like the indigenous comps going on in, in Injun Up and then over East and stuff. And then, and then the wave of the, the sponges come through and um, swept through like a, a hot rash. Um, that was pretty, <laughs> pretty crazy, mate. So yeah, I, I was a bit of a student of like, um, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, a C grade surfer compared to those boys. It was pretty humbling growing up with the, the oh. likes of those crew. There was, yeah, pretty what amazing a, surfers. What a sick crew and time to be alive down there though. And I mean, yeah. that was the golden age of surfing in West Oz. It, it was before, mm. uh, you know, before social media, but it was at a time where board technology and wetsuit technology was so high end that, you know, you could <laughs> access uh, and, and surf probably the the slabs mm. and and the world class waves down there, but they weren't yet busy, man, uh, as yeah, they man. are now. Yeah, so good, and and um, yeah, like getting support from Morris to to head over, and then like he he saw in me, um, you know, like he saw in me leadership potential of a different kind, like not just with surfing, but um, you know, I became um, I got like a, an award when I was in year twelve, like. WA young person of the year. And, and that was, you know, yeah. just, just Morris, just Morris. Um, you know, like I wasn't doing anything exceptional. I was, what I saw was just being a good person, um, uh, community service, you know, youth councils, getting the skate, the Margs skate park built, um, being humble, just being a, you know, just being a, a good kid. Um, and Morris saw that in me and, and while he knew that my surfing probably wasn't up to scratch, he, you know, liked to stick a, you know, a, a globe sticker on your thing and have Morris's boards and stuff was pretty cool to just have the street cred and, um, and have someone believe in me. So yeah, I want to be a big shout out to uncle MC, um, for all he did for, you know, for us. And then, um, yeah, like I said, all the, the surfers 
on the east coast as well um the indigenous surfers were just heroes they were like just absolute gold so um yeah mate if you ever get a chance come come down and buddy um have a yarn at the yeah the national titles or um yeah naru or or, or yeah come down and see oh. um come down and see the mob be awesome be all time. I uh, yeah. I can't believe that hasn't happened yet. Uh, <laughs> and mate, I'm keen. I'm keen. Yeah, and Vorno, it, it, Vorno will be frothing too. We get um hundred percent because Sean's yeah Sean's done. I'm just trying to find this article that Sean's um done on yeah. Anyway, check out the like the sixtieth anniversary and it's the last he closes with it apparently. Um, still waiting for my for my uh. It's <laughs> taking a while. <laughs> yeah, it's things take a while in the west, but yeah, Sean knows. Golden, um, yeah, he did that uh, beautiful clip with Uncle Wayne and Zach um, last year that we put embedded into, yeah. So out of that comp that went to uh, Wajima up to Rotto, then we looked at the, put a shot, shone a spotlight down at Margs and we are like, well, we've got to move beyond just having a welcome to country at the press conference, right? And having a bit of a dance. Like, let's get the surfers down on country and get them connecting. And like last, the first year it was like, it was freezing cold rain and we just got down and had a quick yarn and it was just had like no cameras, just like about half the mob came down and it was like just a really cool, oh, and you're heading off to watch them up and that's really significant. It was just like, okay, we've got to do something different. And then last year we had a really beautiful ceremony, but not that many crew. And then this year um, we let we let them, or the, the elders and that, let them film it. And um, yeah, it was really powerful. And uh, yeah, the surfers were just, you know, who like John John was like sitting there first in the circle, um, like the respect he has for cultures. And he just said to me like, what can I do? Like, what can I do? And I was like, mate, you're doing it. So you sitting here, just listening is, is it. Mm. So you don't have to be a poster boy for um, indigenous rights. You don't have to do a blog or a bloody Instagram post, just sit here and show respect by listening and learning. And then he was gifted with that knowledge and that dreaming story about the marmung, the whale. He got to get shown how to call out to country because he got acknowledgement of country. And I, you know, we'll just do an acknowledgement and shout out to all the elders and, and Aboriginal groups across Australia. And um, you got a welcome to country by, by elders and then you got a calling out to country and, you know, throwing sand or our mob get the water here, you know, I'm trying to do it with my, in the background and spit the water out and um, pay homage to the, you know, the um, the creation spirits, the dreaming, um, the rainbow serpent or the wagul or the walu or whatever that might look like in different countries and pay homage to that water spirit um so you get you know he got showing that um tyler Wright sitting there with her incredible family um you know tyler's just absolute gold all she does is just sit and listen and be respectful that's it so people giving tyler a hard time about whatever like can just zip it because she's just gold the whole Wright family um you know like yeah the surfers and the staff were just really incredible they were just sitting on country they were listening um and i think that's really exciting to see um yeah the surfers and that mob just do that with the deepest respect and then yeah that'll be i think creating the change that's needed you know in the future and then the kids will be looking up to their heroes and going oh cool you know, and then the young ones are like Isabel Nichols was there last year. She got painted up and buddy ended up winning the thing. Um, you know, Robbo grew up on that river and he he reached out in Black Lives Matter and, and Jack, you know, and he, he won the thing. Bit of bad luck this year, but um, you know, like, yeah, give respect to gain respect, right? Mm. Um and and reciprocity relationships, right? In Injabundi, in yet is like I care for you, 
you care for me, we care for country, country cares for us, right? It's a it's a reciprocity relationship that binds um, all of those things together. So um, that's an Indigenous knowledge system that we can all learn from, you know? Um, oh, man, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah I, I really look forward to just connecting uh, with our Indigenous population in 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 spaces that feel real like where you know music dance uh yeah. culture like sharing culture like yeah. th- there's just so few opportunities to, to do that it feels like and it's yeah. something that, that that's where it can happen on, at the grassroots level you know what i mean like that's something that we can mm. um orchestrate ourselves and uh i mean we're, we're kind of doing that uh, we did the swellness event and uh a crescent head and, and yeah and, I gave free tickets to a local mob there. You know, yeah, it's our cool. way of paying the rent for using that land. And yeah, um, and yeah, a few crew took it up too, and it was epic. And uh, yeah, yeah we awesome. Wim Hof and 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 <laughs> ice baths and then party. Yeah, we could. But yeah, yeah cool. more of it, man. And, and the dancing, bro. Fuck, man. I remember oh. being at primary school, man, and we used to um this bloke Monty Pryor black fella from the zone used to go around all the schools and, and teach us how to yeah. dance, man. I've yeah. still got that shit like Sweet. locked in my muscle memory from then. Yeah. And it, it's, there's no, there's no dancing style or technique that comes close to <laughs> the yeah. various forms of movement that um the indigenous population yeah. created. And that that's a sick way to connect to. Well, we had all the surfers. They were all stomping the dirt down there on the, um at the, the river mouth there, like hugely, significant um space and um yeah if you haven't seen any of the wsl stuff or you want to just have a look at um there's uh youtube pages and put in um the story of the river of of you know the margaret river and um yeah brother zach so we had all of them dancing down there and you know like far out the first time i saw midnight earl and we're rumpy band i was like 15 at stomping ground in in broome and um yeah black fella white fella like you say um we're all stomping this earth together and um, there, there are a lot of opportunities like now, you know, NADOX and, and stuff happening all around the year, but you just have to take the time to go and, um, create that space for it, you know, and, and make it, you know, commit, commit to go into some of these events and taking your kids, taking your family and just sitting there listening. And if you're lucky enough, you'll get shown, um, you know, stomping, stomping ground or something similar, some ancient language, you know, um, so uh, yeah, brother, I'm I'm really for- looking forward to seeing you at some of the events, and um, yeah, really really happy to always be talking to um, people that want to listen and um, a bit of truth telling, mate. I appreciate the truth telling and the truth listening. So um, I hope you know, hope we've done some justice, and everyone's keen to just keep, yeah, keep bloody um, walking together. That's what it's 100%, all about. Hundred percent, man. Thank you so yeah. much for your time. I could speak right, to you for hours, Simon. You saw <laughs> the you saw the Wur- yeah, endless. You saw the Warumpi band and Midnight Oil together. I know. Are you uh, kidding me? I, I know, bro. I know. Nah. Um. Yeah. No. Nah, we'll catch up. We'll catch up soon. And um. Yeah. Uh, give my love to all the the mob on the east coast. And um. Yeah. No. Nah, really appreciate you sitting in the sitting in the space together. Mate, and if you get a if you get like an audience of a politician, can you ask him why that isn't our national anthem, black fella, white fella? I mean, come on, dude. Enough of this fucking rancid keyboard riff girt by C and um, what does that even mean? Uh, I know, I know. Yeah, no, nah, it's gonna be it'll well, yeah, we'll, as we decolonize, we'll yeah, Republic, um 
flag, new flag, new anthem. anthem we we'll just yeah. yeah, yeah. With and with the deepest respect to those that have come before, um, for the last sixty thousand years of you know time immemorial, <laughs> um, and any mob out there, um, yeah, they're listening. Um, yeah, just if you know, if you want to give me some feedback, if I've said things that you don't agree on and that, um, I, I love listening to, yeah, like always learning, have the deepest respect for all our elders and community. And so, um, yeah, always learning, mate. So that's, yeah, part of, um, yeah, being humble and, um, paying the deepest respect to our mobs and our country. So yeah. Awesome, bro. Oh, I second really... that, man. I second <laughs> that. I'm sure I've put some noses out of joint, but, uh, <laughs> nah, it nah. it nah, it's gold, brother. That's nah, all good. Um, yeah. You're the man, Simon. Thank there you, you go. so much, brother. <laughs> <laughs> See you, Smitty. See yeah, you bro. Catch ya. This is Arnold, your instructor. Down, up, down, up, down. Down, up, down, up, down, up. Come on, more energy. time.
energy. More energy. Come on, more energy. 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 More energy.